Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunson Bugle, the number one place to get your Kyanite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Adam Tiffin. No winter wonderland on the Fylde Coast for United as they slump to a miserable defeat in the rain at Blackpool. We look back on a dreadful away day for the Blues before previewing another huge clash this weekend at Brunton Park against Northampton Town. Well, the illuminations look nice, didn't they, Adam? I'll say that yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, it's the first time I've been to Blackpool for a long time. It's not somebody, or somewhere rather, I plan on going to often, um, especially on days like that. Yeah, it, it was not good to say the least. And um, yeah, I, I, we'll get onto it in a minute, but let's just, just to say that. In, in terms of away days, it's not one I really look forward to anymore. If I'm brutally honest, especially if it's not in, if it's in December, definitely not. Anyway, um, how are you doing over the Matt? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm alright. It's the first time actually. I think the last time I went to Bloomfield Road was when we played our home game there when we got Against flooded. I can't, I can't remember. We turned <coughs> up late. It was Yeovil we, in we the FA the Cup. First, like twenty minutes, and uh, it was the one where we we drew the game two two. It was a. It wasn't a replay. It was a. Third, I think it was a third round tie. Actually, funny enough. Um, yeah, because we got Everton in the fourth round, didn't we? And uh, at two two, Dan Hanford for some reason thought he was going to go up for a corner late on, and had to be reminded to go back that you don't need to. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you don't need points or anything. Here. Bit of a mad one that one. There you go. Um, right, we've got plenty to cover today. We're obviously going to do a bit of a post mortem on the Blackpool game and uh, particularly Simo's comments after the match. Um, We'll also be looking ahead to that game against Northampton where we'll be having a chat with the guys from the It's All Cobblers to Me podcast and also then looking into the game ourselves. Uh, and of course, we'll be doing a news roundup, which will be coming in just a sec. But first up, I've got to remind you that our sponsors this season for the podcast are the Cali United Sports Club London Branch. The London Branch uh, sponsoring us for the third season in a row, and we really appreciate their support. It's really, really fantastic in terms of helping us with hosting over the last few years. If you want to find out about the London Branch, you can go to the website, carlalondbranch.org. You can join them wherever you live in the world. You don't have to live in the London southeast. And, uh, and they do some fantastic stuff in terms of fundraising for the club and also arranging tickets and travel for away games for fans. So go and find out about them at their website, carlalondbranch.org. Right, Adam, let's get into news. Um, only a few little sort of little bits to sort of cover this week, isn't there? We'll sort of bash through some of these. Um, first one, there's a new date for the Barnsley game. Thankfully, it's in January. <laughs> I mean, that's a relief for all of us, isn't it? Really, in terms of uh, getting yeah, players, yeah, definitely, because they're a good team. So yeah, it's, it's going to take on place on Tuesday, the sixteenth of January. Tickets for the original game are valid, but obviously you can get a refund. <gasps> it, sorry, if you are unable to uh, make the new date, I am. Um, I imagine there'll be a few people getting refunds for that one because a Tuesday night to bounce is not as easy as a Saturday afternoon, is it? Yeah, yeah, I'll have to see whether I've got tickets for it, but I'm not sure whether I'll be able to make. It. I mean, on my schedules. With the work that I do isn't particularly heavy, uh, so hopefully I'll be able to get there. But it's just getting to that area of the country is always difficult. I don't know if it's just from Carlisle, but it always seems to be you know a longer journey than it feels like it needs yeah, to be. I mean, even, even from obviously I'm based in Liverpool, even from Liverpool, it's a pain to be honest because you have to you have to go over the M62, over the Pennines, and 
yeah, it's, it's not the easiest whichever way you do it really you can you can go the bottom way via snakes pass but it's you know, not ideal either so so yeah hopefully we'll still have a very decent following there for the first league game against them since the 1980s um we should have been covering the barrow reserve game this week unfortunately that's been postponed i suspect that might be down to the fact that we are so short on players at the moment so um well did they not have the pitch flooded did they not have a, the game cancelled because there was a flood no it was, it was going to be at Brunton like park the game was oh, right, right, right. I, I, I think it was a case of we just didn't have enough bodies at the moment and it's just yeah. it's more convenient for both of us. So, so yeah, into the new year. Uh, last update I heard on Wigan tickets is that we've sold over 3,000. I don't think the club have put this out or not, but someone was telling me this. Right about 3,200 have sold so far. And I imagine that'll pick up, hopefully, for a couple of good results in the next two games. You might get mm-hmm. a few more coming down. But, yeah, fantastic to have sold that money already for a Friday night game down in Wigan. It's incredible. Um the club have advertised a couple of jobs, haven't they, this week? I don't know. Um, yeah. Some interesting ones. The, um, uh, the f- go on, sorry. Go on. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's, just before we get into that, I think it's really encouraging the fact that they're, you know, it seems now we have the ability to actually branch out because especially from what I heard of Simo saying, um, you know, you've got Chris uh, Brunskill on the physio side and yeah. um, it's Jake Blaine, isn't it, who does the analytics yeah. and things like that who's now according to Simo going to be going to more, more towards a transfer analytical yeah. role helping Greg Abbott and the new person's going to be more game analytics I think yeah. um, but it's just already the impact I think is really positive just we're actually becoming a proper modern football club yeah it, it, it feels a bit strange doesn't it? it doesn't feel quite right does it so yeah there's going to be like as we said there there's going to be a new uh, first team lead performance analyst analyst sorry and uh, there's going to be an assistant physio as well for the first team as well to support um, Chris Brunskill, which is something we've always really missed because I, yeah, I look at other clubs and they always have at least two physios and I always think yeah. it doesn't look great for us when we've got one guy doing it on his own. I Bless him. think they might have advertised for uh, the youth team one as well. Yes, there's a youth team one as well, definitely. That, that's, I saw something advertised like this. There's about three or four jobs that have come up in the last week, I think, and yeah, it's well worth having a look if, if you happen to be qualified in any of those areas. Well, well worth trying out for. Um, on the topic of uh, analysis, um, the club have agreed a partnership with Statsbomb as well, haven't they? Which is uh, an interesting Yeah, one. it's something that was talked about when the Piatics first came in um, yeah. and obviously now it's sort of come over line and it's great timing because we'll need it for, for January. Um, even though we'll have a better budget, you still need to be smart with the money you're spending and something like that will really help with um, with their just general recruitment and, you know, maybe moving a bit more away from the old-fashioned style that maybe we previously hadn't moving towards a, a more efficient style. Yeah, absolutely. And you may be able to pick out the, the odd player here and there that you just don't know about yet and you you can find out about them there and basically try and make them into better players to sell on. Essentially, is what you're yeah. looking to do, isn't it, for us at the yeah. end of the day. Um, Anybody who's watched Moneyball, this is this yeah. is a topic for you. Exactly, exactly. Um, a few of a little bits, um, a few bits have been happening around the ground in the last few days, a bit more sprucing up. You know, we've seen all the stuff they've done in the fan zone, which is fantastic, and some of the branding's been put around, but some more branding's been added, doesn't it, to the stand size, some nicer, yeah, yeah. sort of tall um, pictures, basically, of, uh, of the players, isn't it? Like sort of banners that are hanging down. You see them a lot yeah. of grounds, don't you? I, mean, I know you see them on the way to Everton's ground, I've seen them, and I think Leicester as well do similar, but nice to see I it. I think they might have had no. some, uh, uh, did they have some at Bolton? I'm I think so, yes, I vaguely, I vaguely remember, but it just, again, it just makes it look a bit more modern and a bit more forward thinking, doesn't it? And I know there's yeah, some yeah. people have been scoffing at, oh, you know, there's a few of them will have to come down in January, sort of jokes, but 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're not going to be hard to... It's not exactly going to be a no. tough job to take those down. But no, it's, exactly. the fact they've already you know implemented stuff like that, again, it's just encouraging signs. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, anyone who wants the John Mellish banner at the end of the season, I will fight you for it. So, uh, <laughs> so there you go. Um, just a couple more little bits. Um, I think the club and uh, kiosk, I think a few of us are doing a food bank collection ahead of the Northampton game. So if you're at the game, I think they're looking for food and that kind of thing for, for people for this Christmas. So if there's details on the car, on the official website, so go and have a look at that. And uh, yeah, well worth contributing to if you can. And uh, and Kiosk have also asked you to send in your contributions for Christmas songs for the uh, for the Cheltenham game. They're putting together a playlist of Christmas songs and they're going to pick the best ones and uh, they're going to get played. Um, I wonder if anyone will get caught by Whamageddon on that one. Did you hear about this for the Northampton game? Uh, no, I don't so, think so. So there's this thing, for anyone who doesn't know, there's this thing every year called Whamageddon and the challenge is from December the 1st onwards for as long as possible, avoid Last Christmas by Wham. Now, I that's where it's on the radio and that kind of thing. This, yeah. And in Northampton Town, uh, the DJ at their games decided yes. he would play it just to get 7,000 7, people out of the game, which incredibly cruel and a lot of people were angry about. But then it, that's the whole point. You could hear it anywhere. So I don't get why people are so wound up about it. But, but by then, 23rd, I think you, you'd all be fine by hearing it at, at that point. If you, if you haven't heard it by then, you've done really well. Um, I'll rate it. Good on him. No. It, brilliant I, I was really impressed with that but there you go so yeah kiosk have asked you to send some of those and go to the twitter feed and you can find that kind of stuff and just one more thing before while i'm talking about kiosk um i've, I've got to say as well um that i, I had a little bit of cock up last week i said carol mitchell instead of carol wilson when i was talking about the uh one of the board members who'd left as a result of not being voted back on so apologies carol I, I don't know why i did that but i didn't have it written down essentially i was trying to think of it off the top of my head and where I've pulled Carol Mitchell for, I don't know. So, Carol Wilson, apologies. There's a correction. Right. Uh, let's talk about the Blackpool game then, Adam. Uh, Do we have to? Uh, it's the second week in a row I've, I've said that. Um, well, we can start on the good build-ups to the game. Because before the game, I was in good spirits. Yeah. But then, as soon as I left the pub and the wind was blowing me into the sea, yeah, things got worse. It, it, it was... It was a pretty dreadful day out all round, really, wasn't it, in terms of the the conditions and everything. I think the, the couple of hours in the pub before, a lot of people seemed to enjoy. Some enjoyed it a bit more than others, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But, um, but yeah, it, it seemed quite... There was a boisterous atmosphere, but I think once everyone got to the ground and realised where you sat and, you know, the stand that's there and the tiny concourse, I think I think the mood felt a little bit flatter, I think, when I got into the ground. I don't know what you yeah. felt like. No, I, I agree. It was, it was just the walk to the from the pub to the ground. You know, you're having to walk at a forty-five degree angle just to move forwards, and then by the time you got to the ground, I mean, I don't know about you, but we because we went to Blackpool South rather than Blackpool North to go back, and the steward sent us out one way, and then we got to the end of the street, and the police said, "Oh no, you've got to go back round." and basically do a whole loop to go back to Blackpool. So just the whole experience of getting to and from the ground was a, a nightmare, especially with the weather. Yeah, after after the game was not particularly great, although I'll, I'll talk about that later. But yeah, I think um, in, in terms of getting to the ground, we went to the, I think it's the hotel court, sorry, the, um, the pub called The, the Bridge, which is sort of a, on, the, on the road towards the Manchester, I think it was, because Johnny was with, who you'll hear from shortly, um, he had a, a bit of a dodgy knee, so we didn't really want to walk too far. So we went in there, and it was a lot. It was a Carlisle pub basically for the day, and there was a lot of people there. It was good, but when we walked to the ground, we, we needed to go back to the car to get something out of there because we were parked in the car park right behind the Blackpool's main stand. And um, 
the police originally weren't going to let us go through. We were like, look, mate, we don't want to walk the long way around. We've got to... My mate's trying to get to the car. We're not going to cause any bothers. Like, as long as you don't go down this road towards the... This is that's the main Blackpool pub. And we, I mean, the route we were going to take was going to go nowhere near there anyway. So it's kind of like, yeah, that's fine. We're not going to do that. But the, 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 the police seemed very concerned about bother that I didn't see anything yeah. at all that looked like it was no, going to be No, I didn't either. Maybe, I mean, Carlisle have been handed quite a few, you know, warnings and stuff like that. So maybe they were just mm. taking that at face value. But yeah, I don't I think been, there was any bad interactions between the two fan bases. I, I know there was an issue with them against Burnley, wasn't there? Was it last season, I think? So, you know, that oh, right. poor guy had died, didn't he? I think so that might be oh, why yes. they tightened yeah, things yeah. up a little bit. But it, it did seem a little bit over the top at times, but... You know, that's their prerogative, I guess. Um, well, let's talk about the game itself then. I don't know if we have to and all that. But um, when the team was announced, I heard this team leaked. Someone told me about it on the Friday. And I was a bit taken aback when I saw it. I was like, oh, that, that's a little bit surprising. And it was the team that the person said it was going to be. What did you think when you saw that at 2 o'clock? Um, I was sort of mixed. I was happy that Robinson started because I thought he deserved to. Um, but I just, I I didn't really know how to feel about it. I could I could see, obviously, the way we were going to set up was pretty clear with uh, that back five and just sort of try and stay in the game for as long as possible. Obviously, that plan was thrown out the window by a mistake we'll get onto. But, yeah, I was just sort of, I wasn't inspired at all by the team. I looked at it and I didn't think we could have a chance of winning here. Yeah, my feeling was we were always going to try and keep it tight and try and hit them on the break if we could. But we'll talk about the conditions later because that played a huge part in this game. I don't think I've seen football played in conditions as bad as that for quite a while. Actually, it was I mean, it was horrendous enough in the stand. But when we got out there after the game, we're walking back to the car and you felt it out in the open. You're like, it can't have been fun to be on that pitch. <laughs> Let's just play no, that way. Um, so, yeah, the changes obviously were uh, McCallum coming in, which didn't surprise me too much. <sighs> I suppose I wasn't surprised by Plange being in, but I was probably a little bit disappointed. I thought we might change it up a little bit, then do something different, but that's the way it was. Gibson being left out was a little bit surprised. Also, we found out later he was ill, so there was an explanation for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and obviously Jack Arm arrested. I, yeah, I, I get what you said about Robinson, and I think actually giving Armour a rest maybe isn't the worst thing in the world. That must be the first game he's missed where he's not been in, suspended or injured for... Or not started for quite a while, for yeah. about two years, I think. Yeah, I don't know if it, uh, it might have been the game after where you got the or the game that you got the suspension, where they were saying about the streak of him starting like every single game for however long or however many mm. games straight. Um, but this must be the first time where it wasn't a suspension or injury related one. Yeah, I think it was like Walsall. I think in about two thousand or twenty twenty two. I think it was maybe that was in but. but April 2020, I think it's round about then anyway, so it's, it's quite a long streak of starts really. So, you know, maybe just that little bit of a rest maybe is a good thing for him. Um, onto the game itself. I thought the first 20 minutes or so was quite tight actually. And yeah, we, did, we didn't look like we were threatening him, but we didn't look like we were under pressure too much other than set pieces, which look quite dangerous. And then came the goal and it, it's a bit of a calamitous one. And look, we... I will, I'll always defend Hurley as much as I can because I, I really like him and he's a good keeper, but it, it's hard to defend him on this one. In real time, I did wonder if he'd been nudged, but having watched it back, there's not enough contact there for him to, to be worried. And if there is enough contact, you've got to throw yourself down and try and win the free kick. You know, you've got to be realistic on this. You can't expect a slight nudge and step back and you're going to get the decision. 
uh, as it was. It was a high looping ball that, that really did catch the wind coming into the box. Holy comes to try and claim it. There's an ever such a slight nudge from the attack. I mean, nothing worth writing home about. Drops the ball. And, and to be fair to, to Lyons, he, he, he reacts really well and spots his off his line. And to, to be able to lob a six foot nine keeper from there and put it in the back of the net was pretty impressive. What I'll say is actually having watched it back, um, Adam, I think Josh Emmanuel can do a little bit better on this as well. I think he's far too slow to react and, and close down Lions, and Lions has the time to take the touch and put it over Holy. Yeah, I can't remember from my first memory of what I can think back from the game. My first thought was that it was actually Ben Barkley who'd reacted slowly, but I knew it was someone after Holy had made the mistake. It just seemed like they didn't really understand the yeah. the gravity of the situation. Usually, like, if a keeper's off the line, there's a big scramble to try and defend it. They seemed very sort of laid back about it, but not understanding quite how far out of his goal hole he was or the, the threat w- that was being posed. But, yeah, it's... With his height and his, his frame, I can't excuse that because he should be... Even if there is contact... You you have the license as a keeper to go up strong, and you're usually yeah. going to get the call. If you go up strong and you come falling down, the referee's probably going to give it. You just he sort yeah. of half went for it, like realised it was maybe been caught in the wind, and didn't. It, there just wasn't a full commitment there from him to try and get the ball, and that's ultimately, in my opinion, what led to us losing it. Yeah, I'm just watching it back on YouTube now as you as you talk and. I think the problem is he's worried about hitting Barkley, actually. <clears throat> Sorry. I think he, 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 as he comes out, he's a bit concerned about catching Barkley. And, and there's a slight arm across him by Rhodes, but it is not anywhere near worth a foul. He's got to just take the man out. If you're yeah. a keeper, you have that license to go with a knee up, if needs be, and claim the ball high, or at least get a touch on it. Um, yeah especially for someone of his size, he should just be barreling through people. I mean, I know he's not the only one to blame for the performance, but yeah. it it really threw all the plans out the window because from there on, as you look at that team, I mean, the fact that we didn't have a shot till, what, the 70, 75th minute was evident yeah. um, as soon as we went 1-0 down with that team, which just wasn't going to be enough to create anything. No, absolutely. It, it, it was it was pretty clear from that point. Um yeah, Blackpool, but they didn't really have that many more chances in the first half from memory, I don't think. I think that's the only clear-cut one I can think of. I don't think they really created much, to be honest. I mean, There was a couple the of really goal, good... I was going to say, there's a couple of really good whipped-in corners in the first half, actually. Yeah. To be fair, but I mean, really. to be fair, that, honestly, that, <laughs> my mind, thank God, has just compl- almost erased most of that game. I can only really remember yeah. the goals. Um, so I don't really remember too many of the really effective crosses, but... In open play, I don't think they were that no. effective. I wasn't no. particularly worried about them creating chances. It was, again, poor Just defending. I was doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was us giving. And it's been the case all year, giving up chances where you know yeah. they can be avoided. It's not like we're being played off the park. If we go to Blackpool and they just absolutely destroy us because, I mean, you could tell they had a better team from the out. It was evident. It was so clear. Um, but that should be expected. And if you're going to get beat by a team, you'd rather it be because they showed that they were better and not because you've let them into the game yeah. and yeah. just allowed them to control the game. Yeah. Well, let's get into the second half and Jordan Rhodes' goal and his first goal. Um, I've seen a few people blaming Hole for this one. I don't think there's a huge amount more he could have done, really. It's a, it's a whipped-in cross from the left. 
Um, I think it's Beasley gets the header towards goal, and he just he, has, he hasn't really got time to do anything other than react and make a save. And the ball just hits Rhodes and goes in, doesn't it? It's there's no time at all to really do anything. And but that's what a good striker like Rhodes does. He gets himself in a position where he can pick up that piece when the ball comes loose. Yeah, and it's what we. I mean, we sort of have it in Garner. He's got those instincts, but he's not mm. necessarily. He's not the uh, level that. Jordan Rhodes is. I mean, he's what a great move that has been for them, getting him yeah. on loan from from Huddersfield. Um, at the time, I didn't even really realise what it's, it was. Sort of, I don't know about you, but I felt our fans had a bit of a delayed reaction to it because we were just like, "Has that actually just gone in?" Like it didn't seem the, the like problem... there was a goal coming, and it just sort of happened, and we were like, "Oh, right, we're two 0 down." The problem from the angle we were in, the view from that stand was not great. There was quite a lot of posts in it. There was also the um, the camera gantry seemed to block a little bit of the view as well. Yeah. And I found it, it amazing that that gantry and all the media bit was like with us. Yeah, it, it's, it's weird. I think they had to do it for the Premier League because that's the only way they could get enough in there possibly. Because um, I've been, I was actually that that Yeovil game. I was in the press box for the the, the FA Cup when we played there. And, and yeah, it wasn't wasn't the uh, the most pleasant of places to watch in the game. But it's but yeah, the view wasn't great essentially. And, and I was similar. I was like, oh, it's gone in. And I did wonder at first because there was a suggestion from someone that Holy had spilled it into the net first time. But actually, when you watch it back, you can see he makes a smart save. But Rhodes is just Johnny on the spot. Thank you very much, and puts it into the to the back of the net. So you know, it's it's a uh, yeah. It, it was just at that point. So it was part of me thinking, I should probably just leave now because we're not going to get into this. It, it, this is not particularly great. Yeah, to be honest with you, I didn't see the final goal. I was, Neither did I. Me and my mates were back <laughs> to the thing, so I, did, I didn't see it. We heard the reaction as we were being yes. looped around Bloomfield Road, oh, road by the uh, incompetent stewards, to be honest. Yes, but, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the first... Just a, the... It's just a dreary... There's nothing positive to no. take from that game at all, and it was just compounded yeah. by what happened afterwards. Yeah, and the third goal, as you mentioned there... Um, Bit of icing on the cake. It was a counter attack as United were pushing to try and get at least a goal back in the game. And um, yeah, Lavelle actually did quite well initially to deny CJ Hamilton with a good tackle. And then Barkley uh, attempted to control the ball and he was just robbed of it. And I again, I've heard someone blaming Holy for this. I think Holy makes a really good stop on Joseph, and there's not much you can do when the loose ball comes to. To Rhodes, and it's a hell of a finish. To be fair, once he gets it onto his, I think it was on his left foot, wasn't he? Just smashed it into the top corner, and yeah, I mean, yeah. Didn't, didn't really make any difference on the game, exactly. Really. So it, yeah. there's not really too much to worry about. United's only real decent chance was for McCalman, and actually, it was a good bit of play by um, Jack Armour on the left. Nice little mm. nutmeg through the defender's legs into the box, and it's an absolutely perfect ball across the six-yard box. He's got to score this, surely. Oh, absolutely. The build-up play was. Reminiscent to Lavelle's goal, where uh, Arm was on that left-hand side, because I don't think he cleanly nutmegged the Blackpool player. I can't remember who it was for Blackpool. Yeah. I think there was a little bit of a ricochet off of the the Blackpool player, yeah. uh, which played it a little bit wide, and they got the ball in. But Mc- oh, there's there's ninety percent of the ball, which if he makes any contact with it, it's on target and it's in. He's got under the ten percent. Yeah. I, but I, I don't understand how because he's not. It's not like he's had time to, you know, react to it. It's just sort of instinct, and the instinct wouldn't be to, you know, get under it. It'd just be to sort of stab at it. I, yeah. It would it have made a difference? Who knows? I think there was a little bit of momentum then, but 
You can always ride it, like I in, and Blackpool yeah. can change it. I mean, we we had the wind. Blackpool had the wind behind them in the first half, and they really, really pinned us in with that. You know, they didn't create too many chances, but they we they didn't let us out of our half for for long periods. Second half was probably more us, but still more balanced than the than the first half was in that sense. So, yeah, we, we just yeah. To be honest, we could still be playing now. And we wouldn't have scored. That that's the kind of game it was, and that's happened a little bit too often this season, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah, just we'll talk about what a miserable away day it was first, but just one of the points I've put in here, and it's actually one of the last body points I've got in here. How badly do you think we're missing Callum Guy in recent weeks? And actually, Paul Huntington as well, in terms of experience and a bit of leadership in there. Because with Guy, I don't, I don't, I like McGeek, he looks a, an okay, tidy little player, but he doesn't offer the same as. As Callum Guy for me, and what Guy was offering us in terms of screening the defence, you know, from midfield, we don't have anyone who could do that. And he was keeping us in the tight games, I feel. And we just, I feel like come January, we really need to replace him as much as we do uh, getting an attacker in. Yeah, it's situations where we potentially lose the ball high up the pitch and mm-hmm. teams be breaking on us, and he'd be sat a bit deeper and he'd just be, he'd be that firefighter at the back just to, you know, get rid of all the danger yeah. and then we can reset and, you know, it gets the crowd up a bit because he makes a good challenge. And McGeeock just doesn't have it. He's not that sort of player. Yeah. And it's one of those where now we really will appreciate Callum Guy, especially when he comes back. Hopefully if he can uh, come back to his, his former self, you know, it's, it's a bad injury. So you have to be careful of those. But mm. yeah, we're really missing him and it's a, it's gonna he's a tough one to replace because... It's the the dilemma of do you bring in someone who's like him and then, you know, in the summer potentially, if it's a permanent one at least, you've got two of the same player and then they've got a yeah. battle for positions. So obviously we have that luxury potentially, but it is a it's a tricky one for them to decide on. I, I think they need to, and I think that there's your challenge for Callum. I'd agree. Back. You, you've, you've got to try and fight your way back into the team ahead of him. No, I'd, you, I'd it I'd takes agree. a bit of pressure. You don't have to ha- rush him. I think Simmons made this point, hasn't he, that some players come back early from... ACLs and then they have other problems so he says like I don't want to do this with Callum which suggests to me it might be closer to 10 months that he comes back rather than 8 or 9 maybe just, just to make sure he's done properly as much as yeah anything. well that's sensible and they've been cautious with I think that's one thing they've learned from last year the amount of injuries um, mm-hmm. they've been cautious with a lot of people um, and the good thing is there's been good news around the injuries with Coyote's going to be back to full training and so is um, Hunt's and Taylor yeah. Charters, uh, I know Jack Ellis would have played in that um, Barrow, game. Barrow game, had it have gone ahead. So yeah. things are getting better. Yeah, because it can't absolutely. get much worse. <laughs> they, they certainly can't. They certainly can't. I mean, you mentioned Hunt there. I mentioned him just there before as well. Do you think we're maybe missing him at the back a little bit? I know some people weren't convinced by his performance this season sometimes, but for me, I feel like these last couple of games, we might not have got the bathroom with someone with his sort of leadership there to sort of guide us through a little bit. I, I'm not sure you quite get that with... Barkley and Lavelle and, and Mellish. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'd still say Lavelle is is a good leader and a, a worthy captain, especially of yeah. the the current group uh, when Hunts isn't there. Um, but yeah, I think Hunts at the start of the season because maybe we didn't quite realise how deep of a battle would we'd yeah. be in. We thought he might not be good enough, but we realise now having someone like him will probably be a, a big boost. Um, and it's just more options, again, just to, you know, be able to, if we want to be able, 
if you want to put Mellish into midfield, I, I don't want to see it. But if Simo does want to do that, you can yeah. have Huntington and still play a back three. So it's more options. He's a great, experienced player. Um, and, you know, he's from Carlisle. He's, well, he's always going to be uh, highly committed to the yeah. job. I think I look over Christmas as well, those fixtures coming up. I think he could be quite vital in some of those, actually. Especially, like, like I look at that game at Wigan, you know, where we're going to be taking, well, it's going to be a big crowd, we're taking three fouls. And I think someone like him in that game could be a, make a real difference, I think, to the to the team. Um, what else are we talk about? I mean, I'll tell you what, actually. I'm going to play the six-second review that Johnny's done for us. So, Johnny, I went to the game with Johnny. So, Johnny's going to tell a little bit of the tale of our day. There might not be much talking about the game in this six-second review because... We don't really want to talk about it too much. So here's what Johnny had to say about the trip to Blackpool. So 60-second review of Blackpool. Uh, day started off a bit shit, to be honest, when I inadvertently smashed Lee's car windscreen. So we had to go in my car. Got to Blackpool very late, went to a pub. pub was all right, but the Guinness, the pints of Guinness were absolutely shit. Didn't let it rest. Pulled the whole pint in a plastic cup. Shit. Went to the football. The weather was, well, that was shit. The football was shot. Um, came out the grounds. The car was parked about 50 yards from the exit, but we were directed by the police to walk around probably about a mile to get back to the car. That was shit because I was on crutches and I had a sore knee. Um, went down the illuminations. Remember those being great when I was a kid. That was probably about the only thing that was shit than the football. Uh, anyway, finally got to Coral Island. Ghost train, shit. Um, Pirate Flyer, that was brilliant. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. Two fat lads on, wobbling round all over the place. Lovely fun. Two pence machines were good. Bingo was good. Um, then we went for a lovely fish and chips and off we went home. I can only describe the day as uh, very mixed. And yeah, on to this week. Hopefully it'll be better. There you go. I mean, that's a quite comprehensive roundup of the day. Yes, Johnny did... Smashed his uh, exaggerated, but he, he cracked my windscreen back. So, and it wasn't his fault, to be fair. I would have done exactly the same mistake as him. It was putting a windscreen wiper down that didn't have a windscreen wiper blade on it because it blew off on the Runcorn Bridge as I was driving to his. So that just sums up the day we had. I had to drive his car. And I, I've got an automatic uh, car, Adam, and he's got a manual. And I haven't driven a man- manual in about two or three years now. And it took some getting used to. It was a, yeah, a juddery, juddery start to the journey, let's yeah. just say. So uh, I don't know about yeah. you, but I counted seven shites in that 60-second review, and I think that's yeah. probably a record. It probably is, yeah. I'll, I'll challenge anyone else if they want. Hopefully, the, no one else will be able to do that for the rest of the season, and things will be a bit better. But but yeah, it, it was it was not the greatest. I mean, as you mentioned there, leaving the ground, that was just like ridiculous. Like, literally would not tell, let us turn right. It's an oh, we want to avoid the flashpoint. It's like, mate... He's on crutches. We're not going to fight anybody. We literally, our car is parked around the main stand and that'll take us three, five minutes max to walk around that way. Going the other way, it took us about 20, 25 minutes to get back to the car. It was just ridiculous. So yeah, it, it's one of those away days, Blackpool, quite frankly, but unless it's in August or May or there's something rising on it, I probably won't do it again for a while. It just, it didn't appeal to me. That concourse was ridiculous to have yeah. that for what, 2,000 fans in. Yeah, I'm kind of glad... Awesome. I'm kind of glad we only had 2,000 tickets because any more would have been a joke. 
in that area just wouldn't be oh enough. definitely i i don't know if it was the same in the the pub you were in but in the uh the manchester which i'm sure will be fondly remembered by many carlo fans but mm. they were also serving guinness in the plastic cups but it was the yeah. carlin ones that i first saw at the world cup this year like the carlin ones with the big handles on them oh yeah which i think may, maybe tops the uh the generic plastic cups in terms of That's... inappropriateness all the guinness drinkers will have been you know, steam raging. coming out of the red and absolutely raging. Yeah, it was all inter- the Manchester. They seem to be playing a lot the the tunes the Carlisle fans wanted, and the bugle theme tune got a bit of a play as well. Yes. It's not it, it's a looking good way. Carlisle United is the song, but that got a little bit of a play as well, which is nice to see. Um, did you witness the uh, the upcoming uh, or the, the sorry the, the the big fight outside the the entrance? I as didn't, well? but when I was listening to it, you can so- I can't remember what song is being played inside. But I do remember, I remember that song being played, and it's just a funny thought—the fact that he's swung himself into a pirouette outside trying to fight the bouncers, whatever the lad. I don't know what the lads called. I don't. Uh, I didn't recognise him or any of the lads he was with. But yeah. I'm not. Funny. I'm not going. I'm not going to name him. He was. He was up on. Um, I think he was on social media chatting about. It was it? It's a bit embarrassing that he was enjoying it. To be honest, because you know he looked a bit of a tit. Let's be brutally honest here. And yeah. The, the, I'm not going to go through the details and stuff like that it's on the, on the pod here, but the, there is a, an issue with a certain thing, I think, at Carlisle Games at the moment, and I think it's something that I'd like to see nipped in the bud, if I'm brutally honest, because it's, it's kind of creeping in a little bit too much, but I think people can probably work out what I'm talking about there. Let's just leave that at that. Um, we mentioned it before, the conditions were awful for this game, though, weren't they? I mean, mm-hmm. like, I think before the game, the wind was bad, but by the time we left the end and had to walk around the ground... We were getting blown all over the place. It was awful. So I can't. I mean, there's ta- like taking corners took ages, didn't it? Because the ball kept blowing out the the quadrant. Yeah, yeah. Every time. So it's it, look. It's the same for both teams. I get that. But Blackpool made much better fist of it in the first half, didn't they? So by the time they got into the second half and got the second goal, they were quite comfortable. Well, they'll be a bit more used to it. But even still, I think it's just that probably just also comes down to. I know people maybe argue the the conditions can be a bit of a leveler. In, in football, but we found out that it can completely flatten a team as well who's not very good. So, yeah, uh, I don't think conditions can be can be blamed, like you said, because it's no. both teams are being faced. It just made it even more horrible. We just didn't adapt to it. That, that's a simple fact, really. We 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 really, really didn't. Well, let's talk about Simmons' post match comments then, because this caused quite a bit of consternation, didn't it? I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, he 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 said on the radio which I'm going to bleep out now so I don't know why I've said that no one's going to actually hear what he said but he, he used that phrase he said F off which I won't bleep out because I'm not saying the word there um, obviously he didn't tell James to F off that would have been a bit rude wouldn't it <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I did that yeah no he, um, so, so basically Simo wasn't happy about the reaction of the fans in the game now both me and you are unaware of this reaction because we left the games early didn't we so we, we, yeah. we're not 100% certain but from the people I've spoke to who are still at the game they said what happened was the, the team came over and I think the players were getting the abuse rather than Simpson. Not saying that's right, but it wasn't Simpson directed, but because Simpson was with them, it's going to give the impression that it's Simpson getting the abuse. But the, the problem is it's hard to differentiate when the, when the two of them are walking yeah. together, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was listening to uh, Chris Lumsden on the Carl Social who was saying, you know, as a mm-hmm. player, obviously when you're in the in the stands, you're in a big group, so it's mm-hmm. you maybe don't think that players can, you know, see you individually, but... 
he was saying that it's so easy to spot something like that and if you know there's one person that's looking at you and then you see other people around them doing the same sort of abusive stuff then you know it's completely within Simo's rights to think you know that that's being directed at him and you know if that was being directed at him it's horrendous because it's Ridiculous. people who don't understand what he's done for this club it's people who may be I, I, this is maybe a bit of a harsh statement because there might have been somebody who was, some people who were just genuinely angry. But that sort of behaviour, I'd relate to people who maybe started supporting Carlisle in about, in about April or May of this year, who don't really understand exactly what, what journey we've been on with Simo and how much he's done. The thing is, everyone who went to that game supposedly had a season ticket, okay? Now, that's not going to be the case because people help the mates out on this, so you can use my season ticket. But I think there was a decent chunk of people there who... We're not season ticket holders, but got well, them they sorted them out. I think I kind of feel. Like. Well, the problem was is because, and I also heard Lummy talking about this was the fact that people at Blackpool were saying, "Oh, we've got these brilliant new uh, turnstiles, we don't have to have someone manning them." But the problem was, if you scanned a ticket, two you could fit through. <laughs> so it didn't right. matter whether you had a ticket or not. We could have probably brought four thousand if we wanted to. To be honest, I, I didn't go through the turnstiles well because because of Johnny's dodgy knee. They let us go through the gate because <laughs> it would have been too difficult for him right, to get right. through. So, so I didn't see those. So, very interesting that. But, but yeah, um, I can get Simo's anger about this. I really can. I think yeah, he he was clearly furious. I think I think he he knows exactly what he was doing with that interview. I think he wasn't happy about the performance, but I think. He also, I think, understands that the players are probably playing at their maximum at the moment. That I don't. There is a lack of effort. I hundred percent agree with him on that. There isn't really a lack of effort. I think they're just they're devoid of confidence as much as anything. And I think he's like, right, I can take a bit of the heat off him here. And he's basically all the attention's been on what he said. And you know that comment at the end in response to James's question about you know because he said I don't need that in my life. And then he said I'm not going to answer that question about whether he'd walk away if it happened again. It's got exactly the reaction he wanted and exactly the right reaction as well. And what you'll probably see at the weekend. Adam, I think, of the game is that you'll see the crowd really behind Simo and the team for this match, and that's exactly what we need right now. Yeah. He wouldn't surprise me if before the game he, like, sort of um, gave it big to the Warwick or something like that before yeah. the game, just to try and lift it a bit. Like you said, he's a, he's a, he's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. I do think... I, I don't... I'd be amazed if he was genuinely considering obviously James Phillips asked him you know yeah. would if this was to continue would you leave and he didn't answer the question sort of leaving that hint in people's minds thinking oh god what if he was to leave I don't think he would have I think it, that's just him being clever but I yeah. think he was genuinely angry with what was going on I, I think I think emotions were very high after the game and I get that and that, that happens especially after a game like that and it, you know you stood in miserable conditions is that his former club as well and they haven't performed and the, and the fans have got annoyed and he also made a comment about um, the reaction to Luke Plange's substitution. Adam, what was your thoughts on this one? Yeah, the I've got a bit of a theory on this Luke Plange situation. Mm. Firstly, before I get into it, I get where he's coming from. You know, mm-hmm. the, is Plange twenty one? Twenty twenty one, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and for and you know, supposedly when he heard that, you could see his body language just drop. Um, and you know that's something that will really, really hurt a player, especially when they're not in good form. And I can understand why Simpson is frustrated with that, but he keeps picking him, and yeah. he's not playing well. So, yeah. what other reaction are the fans supposed to? I get, you know, you should you should back your players, but to what point? To what point should we 
look at him and keep clapping him off when he's not been effective and you know there's potentially other options on the bench that could have been better at least on our opinion could have been better Simone knows a lot more football than I do but I'm allowed to have my opinion and think Luke Plange has been shit for a while now Um, so I think he sort of brought it on himself a little bit I agree with you. I, I, I think I think you're right on that. I, I I think I agree. I don't think a reaction like that is good for a young player. I just checked that he turned 21 in November, so he's 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 still a really young lad. You know, he, he burst onto the scene quite young at Derby. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's. And I know how I I know how I'd feel if I was in that situation. You know, and this is all well and good of me to say, but to me that could also serve as a motivator to prove us wrong. You know, yeah. show that you are actually what we think you could be, and what all the people. Inter- and I know, um, I think Mike mentioned about the fact that he'd heard in that people say in training he's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, was that on the? Am I right? In yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think he said that. Yeah, I think he said something about that. And he probably gets picked because of that reason, but he's not paid to be good in training. He's paid yeah. to be good on the pitch. Um, so, I. It, it's just it's just going to get worse and worse if he keeps on picking him, in my opinion. If he gets extended, oof, there could be... I, I, I can't see that happening. It's, I, I just feel like we're, we're trying to get... So, there's been a lot of talk, some people suggesting that we have to pick him because otherwise the, the penalty for not picking him is we have to pay a much bigger chunk of his wages. I'm not 100% well, convinced on that one. I'm, I'm just... My th- for a half season there especially no. my theory somewhat relates to that I th- and this is my hope I think that because we've seen what happens with bigger clubs if their players not getting played by a team like Carlisle they'll either get recalled and then you've got a bad relationship with that club yeah. and in the future it's just going to handicap you so yeah. I think he's getting played so we can bring in someone from Palace in January to replace him who is going to be good? Oh, that's my hope, at least. Someone yeah. like, I don't think it'll be Scott Banks, because I think his contract's not been sorted out yet, and it is out at the end of the season, so they wouldn't send is, is him it, alone. Is he at St. Pauli, isn't he, I think? Or is he, I can't remember if he's oh, no, he might be, not. actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure he's playing um, yeah. for them or not. But. but my hope is, and this is a little hint to the uh, content that I'll be doing as it relates to potential transfers, I hope that they will uh, bring in, uh, playing him to be able to say to Palace, right, look, we've done you a favour here, we've given him as much an opportunity as possible, can we please have Adamola Ola Adabomi? Because he <laughs> looks to be an amazing player and he's massive and he's got a really good touch. I'm hoping that's the case and it's my only reason to think that, you know, to justify why Plange keeps playing. What's what's the name of that lad you said there, sorry? Adamola Ola Adabomi. Oh, there you go. I've found him now. Yeah, I'd not heard of him before. Oh, interesting. He's another one. It's a Palace. Um, yeah, it, I've just checked with Scott about Scott Banks. There. He only played three games for St. Pauli and he did his ACL. So that that's poor, poor buggers. His season's over in the, in the Svita Bundesliga. Um, he's gone to St. Pauli. Yeah, it's one of those ones. Isn't it? it was a very weird, weird transfer. And you saw it, it was like, wow, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, the, the league plan. It's interesting you say that his, his body language changed when he came off. I think that's part that's of the problem. That's what they'd heard, I think. Yeah. I think that's what um, James Phillips had heard. I think that's part of his problem, though. His body language on the pitch is not great either when he's actually playing. Yeah. 
I think it doesn't help as well when he's playing alongside Joe Garner and Joe will throw himself at anything. He will get, he, he'll quite happily take the, you know, the, the knocks and the, you know, the, the elbows and the kicks and stuff like that. Plange doesn't look like he's up for that. He should be looking yeah. alongside him and looking at Garner and saying, right, this lad's had a 15, 16 year career throughout the football league, played in, you know, in, in Rangers, played in Europe and things like that. I should be aiming to, to try and do similar to him and, and work on my game and try and get myself up to that level again. That, that's what he should be doing. And I think that's where the uh, people's problem is with Ryan Edmondson not getting picks because he at least, and I can m- strongly make the case that he is a bit of a passion merchant at times. You know, he wins a corner, throws his arms up in the air, yeah. and that's how he's making a living at the moment. But um, he at least brings that energy and that you know uh, work rate which I think Plange could have. Like He does try and press, he just doesn't do it intelligently. And then I think when he gets played around him, that's when he just sort of starts to give up a bit and that's when it goes flat and that's why people are turning against him. I mean, he was barely in the game in the first half. That probably didn't help things either. So he barely involved. I mean, I mean at least Garner was you know, put himself about and you know, won a few headers and, and caused some problems. And then at the start of the second half, we got that quick, we, we, we started brightly and he got that ball on the left, didn't he? And Robinson was away. And he was clean away down the wing and he messed up a simple pass. And it's, for me, as soon as that happened, uh, I kind of feel like Simpson should be right. I'm going to give him five minutes here and then he's coming off because he just didn't, he didn't look up for it. And that that's part of yeah. the problem, really, when he plays. And, you know, you don't want to dick out a young player, but is he as bad as an Elias Sorensen? Probably not, no. But in comparison, like a Brad Young, at least with a Brad Young, there was a bit of running there and a bit of willingness. Yeah. And I'm not seeing this thing, that at the moment. Is it worth... Simpson keep keeps on playing him in the hope that he'll eventually click in games, you know, with the risk of potentially his, you know, confidence is going to get lower and lower and fans are going to turn mm. on him more and more. I know managers shouldn't, you know, probably in general shouldn't listen to a fan base. Or not, that's that's a, the wrong way to put it, but, you know, they shouldn't listen to them on tactical mm. things maybe because they're the manager and they should have their vision and, you know, that's what they're been employed to do but is it really worth keeping on putting him in there and him keeping on playing bad in the hopes that it'll click for potentially what could be two weeks worth of football yeah well for for me as well the way I look at it is that um, his best performance for us was against Wigan and he came on as a sub in that game why not try using him as a sub a bit more often later on in games that might work a bit better um other, other bits to talk about from the game. Um, Jack Robinson, I thought he had a, a fairly decent game. And obviously, he moved into midfield later on to replace Moxon. Uh, he had to come off with an injury that we'll talk about in a sec. But potential option there, maybe try Robinson in midfield. Simo seems to be really impressed with Robinson and his attitude. And, you know, I think mm. he said he, he felt he deserved the chance of being patient. And, and actually, I think he sort of mentioned, didn't he, that technically he didn't look out of place in midfield. He looked quite good on the ball. And because he sometimes can stick a, a fullback kind of player or wingback player into the middle. And they. They they struggle with it because they're, they're very the way they play is very linearly running up and down the yeah, line. Whereas yeah. he he looked quite comfortable in that role, didn't he? Yeah, I, I feel like I have free reign to say this because I do when I occasionally play eleven aside football, I do play fullback. But fullbacks play fullback because they're not quick enough to be a winger and they're not spatially aware enough to play in central midfield. But Robertson actually looked he looked all right in midfield yeah. when he moved into that position. And I've been pleasantly uh, surprised with him since he's come into the team. Obviously got the assist um, for Plange's goal at Reading. I thought he was, I mean, 
like I said, most of the Blackpool games have been thankfully wiped from my memory, but yeah. I don't remember him ever, you know, doing anything that was like really got the crowd angry or anything. I think yeah. he deserves to keep his starting spot, whether that's in central midfield with Moxon's injury, that's probably quite likely. Um, and then you, obviously you've got the option of armour on the, on yeah. the left. Um, but yeah, I don't see why he should not be in a starting eleven on Saturday. No, I think he's, he's given himself a good chance at the very least. Um, Jordan Gibson was great when he came on again, wasn't he? I think that that kind of shows like he is pretty much a, a should be a guaranteed star right now. I know the reasons why he wasn't picked because of his illness this week, but he, he, yeah. he looked. We had a creative outlet the second he came on, didn't we? Well, that's the thing. As soon and this is one of the the issues I'm going to try and address in the sort of scouting content that I'm going to do mm. ahead of January is that. Without Gibson, there's nobody when we win the ball back in um, in at the back to then transition forwards. He's the only one who seemed capable of carrying because Mock seems to be he's injured now. So he might not even be playing at the weekends, but he's getting caught on the ball a lot more. Um, McGeoch doesn't really have that sort of yeah. physicality and athleteness to be able to drive with the ball. Whereas Gibson has that ability to you yeah. know get up the pitch quickly and then that just relieves a bit of pressure um, and you could see that like you said as soon as he came on one thing I want to say especially when him and Maguire came on there was an inst- and Edmondson to be fair there was an instant change in the um, in the team's attitude in terms of yeah. going forward yeah. who just looked 100%. more lively and one thing that I picked up from Chris Lumsden was he was saying that you know the fans didn't help because well he's and he could be right saying you know people may be getting a bit too hammers before the game and then by the time they got to the game it was just a bit flat but what did we have to chant about for 75 minutes we didn't have a shot we barely got out of our own half I haven't looked at the average positions of from the game I can probably do it now but there was nothing to go off and it was awful weather like there was everything was against the the fans in terms of you know get if we'd have been up for that game then you know we can't do any more no, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at. I mean, our average positions—it's it, all quite backwards. Blackburn are all over the pitch, and ours is very deep, especially in, in the opposition area. There's barely any heat map on there, so yeah, not ideal. Um, no, I, I, think, I think it's a really fair assessment that uh, Adam. Uh, I just it is like you say, the whole day was just very flat in the way it went, and I think it did make a difference when those three came on. What I will say is, I wish Sean McGuire would learn how to stay on side. Three or four times getting yeah, caught offside yeah. after coming on, and if he just times a couple of those runs better, he's through on goal. And mm. yeah, ho- hope hopefully that'll come in a bit. It's just time, again, but, it's yeah. just that it's just that quality that we're lacking. Um, just before we move on, the final point I had from the yeah. sort of reaction to the game was that um, again, when I was listening to the the Carl Social was uh, Chris Thompson saying that potentially uh, players might want you know Luke Plange to be. Uh, to be starting because of maybe maybe his attitude and you know obviously Edmo was if you could put it this way disobeying the manager you know he was yeah. kept moving away things like that um, moving away from the central striker position and that was really annoying Simo yeah. but I, I get his point but and he was saying you know fans should you know take this into account but we don't know so we can't. We have to just go off of what yeah. we see. And we can only go and see where the match don't we? exactly. Yeah. And and Plan just hasn't been up to it. And yeah. I think if he continues to start, then things are just going to get worse. 
it's not going to do him any favors keeping starting when he's not performing really that that's not going to help him in the slate so, so i think it's a really tough decision for Simo to make at the weekend because he clearly rates lad and clearly wants to give him a chance but there's only so long you keep, can keep persistent with that um mm-hmm. we'll we'll leave off talking about Owen Moxon's injury till we get into the second half when we talk ahead of the Northampton game um yeah, I think they've pretty much covered everything. That the only thing I was going to add was that I do wonder if there's a level of entitlement creeping into our fans a bit. If the you know some fans are expecting the second that the the free amigos left and you know the new owners came in, everything was going to be bright and you know smelling of roses and stuff. And it, it's not. It's going to be tough this season. I think it always was going to be tough this season. And I think there needs to be a real understanding there that we we may have a few more crap results up until January and hopefully. If we can get those players in for that game and get against Exeter, then things can pick up from that point onwards. Yeah, and that that probably comes back to the you know potentially you could make that argument about the entitlement being mostly in the people who were allegedly abusing Paul Simpson yeah. because yeah. they might not know anything else other than Carlisle promotion, yeah. which is most people who listen to this podcast know. Oh, it's a rarity, and it was yes. so good, and we have to be appreciative of that because it's going to be a long, long time probably before yeah. we get to feel something like that again. Um, Absolutely, but yeah, Absolutely. I agree with yeah. you. There's a it is creeping in a bit, but un- fortunately, but also unfortunately, we're being brought back down to earth a bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, right, let's just quickly run through the League One results before we go into the second, or the next part of the show. Um, Bristol Rovers won, Cheltenham won. I didn't realise that Matt Taylor had taken over at Bristol Rovers. That's a very good appointment mm-hmm. for them, isn't it? I think that that's a really, really... I mean, compared against having Mr. Popular right now, Joey Barton in charge, I think that's a, <laughs> a, that's a really some, good move. Someone, cause have you seen that the, uh, the first female referee is going to yes. officiate a Premier League game? Yes. I saw someone retweet the announcement saying, this, how many holes do you reckon are in Joey Barton's <laughs> door right now? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, to be fair, it was Rebe- Rebecca Welsh, isn't it? And she was refereeing yeah. this a couple of times, and she'd been excellent. Yeah, both times. So you know, fair, fair play. Actually, I think shout out to to, to Mike, fellow uh, mm. contributor to the podcast, who was saying, you know, why are the Premier League all of a sudden getting all the plaudits for having you know female officials when in the EFL, you know, obviously it's been going on prior to them being in the yeah. you know, just gone from you know non league to the Premier League. Um, yeah. We've helped them, you know. Yeah gather that experience and, you know, they shouldn't just get shot off to the Premier League just because it's, you know, good for good for yeah. the media. I think it should be a good referee from what we've seen. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it should Absolutely. probably be up to that standard. But, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. good point from Mike. Yeah. Uh, Burton won Stevenish 2. I think that game cost Dino Mamari his job, didn't it? I think he's been um, yeah. sacked as a result um, against his former club as well. He wouldn't have enjoyed that. Charlton 2, Cambridge 2. Good start for Neil Harris there as Cambridge boss. Um, Exeter nil, Port Vale one. Exeter really struggling, aren't they? Mm-hmm. That, that get that game on the sixth of January looks quite a big game now, actually, doesn't it? It's yeah, it's one more definitely well, it, it reflects. I mean, I know they were in good form at the start of the season, but the one that we lost to them um, at the start of the season at home, yeah, it's going to look worse and worse as the season goes on. They they lost um, Ndombe, didn't they? After that game, he went to Rotherham. Yes, so maybe that N- might uh, Nombe, I think it is not Nombe. Sorry, that's um, not Ndombe. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, Leighton Orient nil, Derby three. Derby's starting to pick up a bit of form now. That's another three nil. Northampton three. Gone. I was going to say I think they need to pick up points now because we've looks like if reports are to be uh, taken as well, not as gospel, but to be uh, considered, then looks like Aaron Cash in the. Is, I don't know if it's Aaron Aaron 
it might be some Irish, but it's an Irish name. Aaron, it's like yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he could be off to Brighton, and Max Bird oh. might be off to uh, Hull City to his Ooh. former manager Liam Rosenier. So, yeah, uh, there's they could be depleted quite quickly, and Bird's yeah. out of contract anyway. So if they if they're going to get rid of him, they have to get rid of him now. Well, well, um, yeah, I'm just looking there. That's fifth, fifth one in a row for Derby. So they're, they're absolutely flying. They're into the playoff places now. So that's uh, really good for them. Um, our opponents this weekend, Northampton, they beat uh, Fleetwood 3-0 as well. So good result for them there. I've just lost my page of all the results. Oh, no, there we go. Um, Peterborough United 3, Oxford United nil. A bit of a... St- the new back boss at Oxford's had a bit of a tough start, hasn't he? You know, yeah. Four games, no win. I mean, it was always going to be hard to... I know they've got a good squad, but I don't yeah. think necessarily people are going to be picking them for automatic promotion places. I think they'll probably start to level out. I still think they could be definitely in and around that uh, playoff yeah. uh, race, yeah. but it was always going to be tough following from, from Liam Manning. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking here. We've played all of the top six now, and we've managed to get four points out of them. No, fa- no five points out of them. Which isn't actually that bad of going. Three yeah. defeats, well, a win and two draws. So, you know, better personally. than I expected that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I say this, but the Bolton game was obviously brilliant. Yeah. But I'd actually rather we lose to the top teams and beat the teams that are... Yeah. Like, if, if, we gonna, that. if we were going to get, get smashed by the teams at the top, I'd take beating, you know, yeah. teams in mid to lower table. Yeah. But obviously, you know, getting those points like Peterborough and Bolton are yeah. uh, ones that will stay in the memory. Yeah, you can't pick a choose, can they? That's the problem. Um, Peterborough 3, Oxford United nil, as we mentioned there. Uh, Reading 1, Barnsley 3. Reading's form's dropped off since they beat us 5-1 again. Uh, Wigan 0, Lincoln 0, and Wickham 0, Shrewsbury 1. That's not a result we could have done with, really. Wickham are sure. really dropping down the table. They're not too... Uh, I think they're, like, yeah, they're about 6 or 7 points off of us. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just looking. Think... Yeah, they're, they're on 22 points, so we're on 15, aren't we? So 7 points ahead. and Yeah. I'm just looking form-wise. They are now... They're below us in the form table. They haven't won in the last six, definitely. So I don't know beyond that. But yeah, not not, not great for them. Um, and then finally, there was a Monday night game. It was unsurprisingly picked for Sky, really, because it's the top two. And it was uh, Portsmouth 2, Bolton 0. Uh, Portsmouth are going to go up, aren't they? I think there, there was yeah. much doubt about that. Did you see Dion Charles's miss in this game? No, I haven't. I'm gonna have to check search it now because it's absolutely awful. If I remember nice. correctly, whilst you're searching this, if anybody hasn't seen it, I think I can't remember who it is for Bolton, but they have a shot and it's saved pretty well by the um, by the Portsmouth goalkeeper. And Dion Charles, very good striker. All he has to do, maybe two or three oh, yards out, is just put it on target, and he could scuffs it right at the goal inexplicably. Um, and obviously they've gone to lose two now. Oh, he's he's tried to let the ball come across his body, hasn't he? And side foot instead of just poking it with his left foot or poking it with his right, he's trying to side foot it into the corner when he should have just hammered it. Oh man, that that's that's. Look, that was at nil nil. Oh yeah, I've just spotted that. Wow, that 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 is a, that's a bad miss to say the least. But there you go. Right, I think we've covered enough of the uh, the Blackpool game and what happened in um, League One the weekend. So uh, we're going to take a short break, and after the break, I will be back and I'll be speaking to um, Danny from the It's All Cobblers to Me podcast. Um, 
He's a Northampton fan, obviously, and we talked about how they found the step up to League One this season. Bit of an update on their attempts to redevelop their ground and uh, how important Sam Hoskin has been to them over recent years. He's almost at a decade at uh, six years now. Quite an achievement, really. So there's a little bit on that. So, yeah, after the break, we'll be back and I'll be speaking to Danny. Hi, it's uh, Tom Piatic II, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. Yes, welcome back after the break. It's now time for Behind Enemy Lines, where we speak to an opposition podcast about their team and uh, how they're getting on. And uh, it's a familiar face that we're talking to this week. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of the teams that are promoted with us, uh, Northampton Town podcast. It's all cobblers to me. And we're speaking to Danny Brothers. Danny, how are you doing? I'm really good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, you know, we're, we're, we're all looking forward to Christmas and I think Carl Alphonse are probably looking forward to January a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. That'll be our second Christmas, I think, once we start getting a few players in, but, uh, <laughs> but there you go. Um, let, let's talk about um, life in League One then, because it's, it's new to both of us. Um, you guys had a bit of a sluggish start, it's probably fair to say, but you seem to have found your feet over the last month or so. So what has been the spur for that upturn in fortune for the Cobblers? Um, I mean, the teams we played have been <laughs> a part of that, apart from Blackpool, who you know, we wouldn't have expected a result against. Um, we played Burton, Cambridge and Fleetwood all at a really good time. Uh, we've, we've been great in the games. We've been really functional and really good. And we've got the job done and yeah. got really good results. But I think we've caught them really well um, in terms of the way they're playing and stuff. Um, but I don't think a lot has changed over the season. We've played pretty much the same way the entire season, fairly similar to themselves. We've been in every game we've played in there's been one game maybe at Derby where we've got absolutely hammered in the first half and we've not looked ourselves at all there was maybe a half against Bolton where we didn't perform at all and we went 2-0 down we'd started to claw our way back in the second half and lost 2-1 but we galvanized and got something from it in terms of a performance but for the majority it's been tight defeats if we have lost it's been decent draws and um, we've been performing well and we've been in most games playing exactly the same way so I don't think there's anything massively different we've been doing the last few weeks we've had a couple of players come back that have made a big difference recently to those games like Jack Sowerby's been back in for the last sort of month or so and him coming back has just allowed us to to be a much better team, a better, better unit. Mark Leonard's been able to push forward a lot more than even he would have done last season when you saw him. Sauber's allowed him to press on in, in more of a number 10 role and it's just made the whole balance of the side so much better. Uh, Aaron McGowan's come back in at right back and filled in for John Guthrie in terms of the character at the back who you need a bit of leadership from. John Guthrie's been out, it's been a major, it was a major absence for a couple of games so we've, we noticed it dramatically um, in terms of play at the back um, but then Aaron McGowan came back in and just provided that little bit of leadership in the Burton game that we, that noticeably we just came together so much better that like his know-how at the back I mean he's only 27 which we you know, he keeps reminding us of <laughs> but he just feels like he's been around the game for ages and for years and he just gave us that little bit of an umph at the back and solidified everything and like I said Saub has been crucial to it as well he, he does you know, like you know, he'll he'll do all the stuff that doesn't get noticed, and he allows other people to play. So all of that just come together the last month or so, and it's just looking so much better at the minute. I think you're right there, and there is quite a few similarities between the two clubs and mm. all those sort of things. There, you getting Sowery back, well, we're really missing Callum Guy at the moment. That that's mm. been really noticeable, and having a player like that in your team that sometimes maybe doesn't quite get the plaudits they deserve. Yeah, but they they're, they're so essential to the way they play. You play and. Uh, yeah, it, it sounds like he's made a really big difference having him back. Um, 
you've coped though generally better than United at this level so far. That's probably fair to say. And like you said, maybe it is an element of the, the run of games you've had and the, the opposition you face. But do you think another reason why maybe you've done a bit better is the fact that you were coming in to League One on the back of two promotion pushes, if you see what I mean, in that you've had that momentum over two seasons, whereas ours was one season with a bit of a stodgy end to it, which you've been sort of consistently up the top three for two seasons in a row now, and that momentum's really helped. Uh, 100%. I think last time we came up under Keith Curl, it was the, the COVID playoffs. We played to an empty Wembley yeah. and beat Exeter 4 and it was It's such a surreal thing to happen. And I feel like looking at it now, we probably did come up a little bit too early in that sense. Um, and we just fell apart as soon as we got up into League One and we just didn't have the players to, to cope with it. A lot of our key players left. All of our defence pretty much got taken or loaned back and didn't come back. Um players like Callum Morton didn't come back who was really good that season um, and we just we just weren't ready for it and John Brady try, tries he might to turn around at that point he just couldn't get um, get us back up enough to to finish above the bottom mm. four um, but the last two seasons have been incredible from him um, and the squad the, the whole the whole club has just come together for the last two seasons it's it's almost the the thing that happened with Bristol Rovers, which a lot of people will be familiar with in terms of them winning seven nil on the last day and overtaking us. And that could have killed a lot of teams that could have, you know, really, really hampered a lot of teams and a lot of, you know, characters and stuff. It, it could have just really harmed us the following season. We could have just been back in sort of mid table again for that, for that second season, but to galvanize them and to, get through a lot of stuff off the pitch that a lot of people wouldn't have known about until the end of the season when John Brady maybe spoke about it a little bit more to to see the injuries we had last season to to players playing in positions that they'd never played in before we had Jack Salby playing center back for the last few games we had players drafted in who hadn't played a game in English football for, at all for six months and there's that that's just what he got out of them that's what Brady got out of the club and you've, you've probably got a similar sense with Simpson as well he gets the most yeah. out of players and he gets the the absolute maximum out of players who you just don't expect it from um and so that almost that season where we didn't go up and ended up losing the playoffs it did galvanize the place a little bit and it, it it said to them right let's go again and let's do it again it's a hard thing to do but it's yeah, yeah. it has definitely to answer your question set us up well for league one um when we lose a game we don't get too down about it john brady doesn't get too down about it when we win a game he doesn't get too high about it and it's resulted in a really good mid-table season at the minute we we had a bit of a wobble october time but for the most part it's set us well because defeats don't mean the end of the world and as a fan base it's probably the same thing and wins you know as much as you want a win to, <laughs> to take you up into like heights of wanting the playoffs and stuff it just hasn't done and we're, we're in a pretty decent place in the minute so probably fair to say brady's quite well liked by the fans how, how does he the job he's do he's done compared to what keith curl did as manager because obviously keith curl was our manager for a, a few years and yeah. never quite got us into those uh promotion places and you know we lost in the playoffs under him and to be fair the money we spent in that season we got in the playoffs from him crippled us for a few years essentially so how how have you guys coped uh, with Brady instead he, he seems to be pretty well liked with your fan base it's so well liked yeah it's his, it's his energy it's his character he, he'll wind mm. opposition fans I'm sure you know he'll wind opposition fans up no end with his antics on the touchline and just the, the passion that he shows but he gives everything to the club and you can tell that, that on and off the pitch he'll 
give he'll be giving the work he'll be putting the work in and our mm. fans just react to that any fans would react to that you'll be the same with simpson um yeah. you see the same with steve evans at stevenage just characters yeah. on the sidelines yeah. who will just galvanize a fan base and he's done exactly the, exactly that for us and you will know what it's like under keith curl it's not the same it's not that it's not it's not his yeah. skills set to do that and he he was good up to a certain point in in uh, relating to the fans to a point but as soon as brady came in it was just constant like fireball football from the off and it was just yeah. from the sidelines you could tell how much he cared um and you know some managers aren't like that and it's fair it's fine but after curl it's just been such a breath of fresh air and the whole club is united again um behind him and yeah, we can't say enough good things about him at the minute. I looked at your summer transfer activity and I was quite surprised, fairly quiet. Some of you guys, I mean, when you consider you made seven signings, of which two with low knees coming back, who'd been with you previous yep. season. So five new faces and that's it. What, what's, what's the sort of thinking behind that? Is, is it just a case of Brady looking for, well, actually, the squad's pretty capable and it just needs a little bit of tinkering on the edges? Exactly that. I mean, we've been really good in the last few years of tying players down to contracts. So it mm. wasn't a massive issue over the summer. We've tied Sam Hoskins down, Mitch Pinnock down about a year ago now um, to new deals. We've been topping up contracts constantly over the last couple of years, mid-season. And, just, and it comes to the summer, to especially last summer, where we didn't feel like we needed that much change about it. It just, mm. and he, I know he wants to keep a, a good, solid squad there. And, and it has to be the right character for him. Obviously, he knew Kieran Bowie. He knew what Mark Leonard would bring. And that, that two signings, again, have been fantastic. Yeah. Just They've both stepped up really well this uh, this season. And the fans know what they're getting with them. Um, Budget-wise, is probably a big part of that as well. So he's got to be very clever about who he brings in. He's got to bring in the right type of character. Um, and the people he has brought in, Patrick Preff has slotted in really well. You'll know him quite well as well um, of what he gives I pretend, I was a little bit concerned about him stepping up from Barrow and from League 2 but he's he's just he's just been brilliant it's, it's the type of character that fans can get behind again like he's not perfect but he'll he does a really good job on the left hand side um, a couple of signings haven't quite worked we'll come on to that later maybe <laughs> but for the most part it's just been a case of trying to continue what we did last season and sort of build on that and and it's worked so far because the squad is pretty much the same and i suppose that gives you a chance in january to add to that squad and just have that extra little bit of quality to get you to kick on really you've, you've got yeah. a bit of maybe maybe a little wiggle room to do that possibly yeah hopefully yes yeah fingers crossed we've yeah. got a little bit i mean we haven't, we're not going to have anywhere near the budget of a lot of teams in league one but yeah. um but yeah i think there has been talk of of one or two it will only be one or two tweets i would imagine just yeah. to try and make sure we we stay up this season yeah, you mentioned Sam Hoskins and tied him down to a longer deal earlier. There, he's now one. I think one of the longest serving players in the division, isn't he? I think yeah. been you guys for about is it a decade now? Possibly, I can't remember. Coming up, it, well, I, think. I think by the time his contract ends, it will be over a decade. Yeah, which is insane yeah. in this day and age yeah. for, for a player like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. How important is he to the way you play? Because every time I see him play against us, he always impresses me. Yeah, it's mad. Like the last couple of seasons, he's just been insane. Brady's just got something out of him that no other manager has done. He's not been prolific in his in his previous seasons. Yeah. When yeah, you know, when he first came in, the first few seasons, he's just constantly we t- we spoke about him being if he can had it, add an end product, he will be a really good League One player. He just hadn't done it in League One before, mm. for whatever reason, for the manager, the the players around him, whatever it was. But he seems to have really kicked on just under Brady. He's got something out of him that no other manager's got out of him before in terms of killer instinct. He's confident when he goes through on goal now, you think that's a goal, whereas before you think, yeah. you know, he's going to put that over the, into Rose Ed kind of thing. Um, 
and he's just got that that energy. He, he always adds the sort of the energy, the fight. He'll run through a brick wall for managers, which is why he get, kept yeah. getting picked. He'll play in any position he'll, that managers want him to play. Keith Curl had him at wing back at one point, left wing back at one point. I think he would have played him in goal if he could. Yeah, <laughs> and he'll just run through. He'll, he'll just go through a brick wall, which is the the main thing that you want from a player. But now he's added that quality at the end of it is is insane what he's done. Um, and he's now like coming up to I think he's one goal away from going up to about the top seven all-time scorers wow. list which is which is nuts um for the names that are up there so yeah i mean it's just kicked on so well wow that's seriously impressive um i'll ask you about pat brothwart about the danger winning squad how's he getting on with you guys pat was really just before you answer he was really lucky at color and that mm. he came through at a time when we had danny granger playing at left back for us he was club captain scored free kicks and long-range goals for fun, a, a real leader, local lad. And he was never really ever going to get a chance ahead of him, especially under Keith Curl. So I, I think most Califans are really pleased to see how well he's done for his career and particularly pleased that he's not now doing it at Barrow. So how's he with you guys? <laughs> he's doing really well, like I say. I, I, that surprised me because he seems like the proper Keith Curl type player, doesn't he? Like He feels like a player yeah. that Keith would just absolutely love. And he's a bit of a kind of rough ruffian in the in the gold mine kind of player is is very different to anyone else we've got in terms of he feels like a you know i don't want to insult him but by saying he feels like a league two player in a league one side but he is yeah. slotted in so well he's, he gets forward a lot he'll he'll he's got he's, he could have had a five or six goals this season already i think he's got one at exeter um but he's just he's just puts in the effort. He's he's a proper John Brady player. He'll give a hundred percent every week. Um, I think he'll probably play at the weekend. We've got we've had Ali Koiki in and out, but he's injured now, so he's more than likely tied down that left hand spot for himself. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it feels like he was quite young when he was with you as well. But he's yeah, well, he, yeah, he came from our youth team. He's a local lad from Silif in on the on the west coast and. Mm. Um, he actually was a winger in the youth team. He, he played okay. more as a winger, really, as a left winger yep. and sort of left forward. But um, he, he sort of broke into the first team as a left back and has been playing there pretty much since, I think. So, so yeah, he's, he's a good lad. And I think there was always the expectation he could have a half-decent career. Just just bad luck for him that we had a player at left back who was going to be going and make 200 appearances for us and he wasn't going to get a chance ahead of him. So it's just, mm. just, just luck sometimes, isn't it? Uh, let's ask about the danger men in the squad then, other than obviously the obvious ones you mentioned, Hoskins there, but who else should we keep an eye out for? McWilliams is one that always really impresses me whenever we play against you guys. Yeah, McWilliams just come back from injury a couple of weeks ago. He's starting to, he's slotted straight back in there. He's a walking yellow cards, but <laughs> he'll, mm-hmm. you know, he he's a type of player that, he needs to be up for a game. Sometimes he's not up for a game. You can tell um, he lets it pass him by a little bit. The last couple of weeks have been brilliant. Um, up at Blackpool did really well um, against yeah. Fleetwood pretty much ran the game. He was dropping into more, a lot more advanced positions than he usually does because Fleetwood just gave him that space to do that. And he was yeah. marauding forward a little bit. He probably won't do that away from home. I wouldn't have thought, but is is usually he's generally stepped up well again. He's played in this level before, so he does well. Um, Mark Leonard is probably the other one. He just makes things happen. His quality on the ball is just ridiculous. You yeah. think of you, you think of what Brighton are these days as on loan from Brighton, and you, you think of yeah. what they are, and you <laughs> you imagine a Brighton midfielder, and you can you know exactly what you're going to get. But he's just got a different level of quality, and the fear is now that somebody comes in or you know Brighton want him to go to another level um, in January, which we hope doesn't happen. It's happened before with Keon Tete for us, um, and we just really hope that he's, he does stay for the season because he's got that such quality and calm on the ball is is 
and he's full of a lot more energy than you'd expect from him as well. So he's, yeah, he'll be the one that, that will make things happen, hopefully. I mean, that reminds me of Jerry Yates for us who had a brilliant first half of his season when we had him on loan and then Rotherham were like, uh, actually, we'll have him back for the second half yeah. of the season. Thank you very much. And then obviously yeah, they ended yeah. up loaning him out and look at him now, he's at Swansea, you know, he's, yeah, that was kind of one of those frustrating ones where mm. uh, our, our former erstwhile director of football said, oh yeah, he's definitely tied down for the rest of the season. It's <laughs> and then it was exciting. In fact, it was him, Jack Sowerby and Ashley Nelson with the free plays. Yeah, yeah, we got them tied down for the rest of the season. All three of them got recalled. Which you know, <laughs> sums it up quite frankly. Um, before we get predictions, I just want to ask you quickly in terms of off the field, um, what's the latest on the issues in terms of sorting out uh, six fields? Because I know last time we talked to you, there was they're hoping to get close to a resolution in terms of fixing that. But I'm guessing by your reaction there, it might still be a bit off. It's still that. I mean, an agreement's been put in place um, at the moment. We've got um, a builder, we've got a contractor ready. The builders were there on Saturday, um, <laughs> just randomly. Um, so that it's getting there. Um, there's issues with the council still to be tied up. Um, it's a massively long story. It's another podcast in itself, but it's it's getting there. It won't happen probably. We probably won't see anything happen until the end of the season, at least, I wouldn't have thought. But it's it's on the road to getting there finally. It's, it's been a lot of issues with with um, stalling of it and everything like that. But uh, yeah, hopefully within a couple of years we'll have a new stand. It's just been rolling on for so long, but um, it'll just be it'll just be great to have it done. Didn't that basically bring down your council essentially? <laughs> that it was part of it. Yeah, there's mis- missing yeah. millions of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Um, before we get any, ourselves in any trouble, um, let, let's move on to the predictions. Then, uh, what are you going to go for this weekend? Uh, said on our pod that we recorded with you just now 1-1 I think I'll stick with that I think we'd be fairly happy with a point up there Um, long way to go on a a December afternoon but um, yeah I'll go 1-1 and just to come out of it I think Patrick Bruff will score and then and then Ryan Edmondson will get his inevitable goal against us well with any luck with any luck because he's he's not been a goal scorer for this season to put it bluntly Um, (laughs) Danny thanks for giving up your time to speak to us always a pleasure and uh, all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend's game pleasure aren't you really look forward to seeing what happens with you and your new ownership um, for the rest of the season so all the best hi i'm john halpin and you're listening to the brunton bugle and we're back for part three as we do now that's the way we're doing it we're changing things up a little bit um thanks once again to uh danny from the it's all cobblers to me podcast for had a really good chat with him you probably by now as well be able to see the chat that i had for their podcast as well talking about all things uh united so um give that a check out if you can um really really good podcast they do um well, let's get into this one then, Adam. In fact, actually, no, wait first. I just remembered Mike has set us a question for this week. So let's have Mike's question of the week. Former Blue and former Cobbler, Nicky Adams, recently made his 750th career appearance. Now, how many goals has he scored in the Football League? Oh, you know what? I don't think it's going to be as hmm. big a number as you think. No, he was more assists. He wasn't a, a Nate so, Thomas cut inside and yeah, you know, I, and score. I, I don't think it'll be that high. I I'm thinking fit, in the sort of forty to fifty range. I wonder if it might not even be that high. You know, I feel it might be in the thirties because I feel like he only scored I think two or three for us, didn't he? I think he scored a few yeah. more elsewhere. I think he might have taken penalties for a couple of teams. Maybe I don't know, but. I'm going to go 37 on this. I'm not 100%. But I'm I'll go 42. Right. We'll do the answer now because it's quite a simple one. So here's the answer to the question. And it was 39. 
Ooh, Ooh. right in the oh, middle of us. Oh, you're pretty much right. I think I was slightly close to having that stretching to try and claim that oh, as victory. Well, it's three either side. I'm not letting you take that uh, as I'm, even t- as it two, gets. Two, two from 37, three from 42. Oh, you said, I, thought you said, I thought you said 36. No, right, I okay. said 37, so I'm, right. I'm having that one. Right. <laughs> only just, Apologies only just. But, but yeah, the, yeah, 39, yeah, not as many as you'd think. Uh, fair, fair play. Um, right, well, let's talk about this one then. As, um, um, Northampton Town. What do you, what's your thoughts on how they've settled to life in, in League One? Do you, I, I, I'm trying to think back to the, the season preview, and I felt like they might struggle a bit because they hadn't had much transfer activity. But actually, it feels like that lack of transfer activity and that sort of balanced nature of their squad has really paid off for them, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, they really should have been in League One the year before yeah. last if it weren't for um, Scunthorpe and Elliot Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> that game. I remember coming out of Bradford and seeing the result yeah. and that, and I just could not believe that Northampton weren't <laughs> going up. Um, but yeah, they've they've really settled in well, especially in in recent weeks. You know, they weren't around sort of well, pretty much for the whole month of uh, October. They only had two wins out of seven games, I think. Two wins out of seven, but since then they've uh, only lost two in the league, I think, um, maybe even less than that, and they've won. Pretty much, they're, they're not really a team who seems to draw much. That's one thing I've noticed from looking at the, uh, the standards. Yeah. Two draws in in their twenty games, so I don't think that'll be a, a result that's on the cards. Um, but I say that we've had six draws, but I think they've settled in really well, and potentially the fact that they've kept a lot of their squad could be a, a bit of a benefit. I know some people think that had Carlisle kept the likes of, I mean, obviously they didn't want to stay anyway, but the likes of Dennis and Mario Patrick. You know, we could have fared better just because of that continued cohesion within the team. But yeah, yeah they've settled in really well. I think it will be a tough game. Yeah, it, it, it just you mentioned that uh, Bristol Rovers Scunthorpe game. I remember, like you driving back from um, Bradford in the car, and we had five live on. It was six oh six, and I think that the uh, what do you call it? Come what the program was. It's on five live at five o'clock. I think it's uh, the, when they do the roundup all the games. And there was a few people saying, "Oh, it's a bit." Of Robbie Savage on it. Yeah, I can't remember if it is. It's not the six oh six bit. It's the bit before that. But anyway, they were basically saying, "Oh, well, you know, the, the um, it's a bit of a disgrace that you know they they you know, put in a load of kids out there." And I wanted to say, like, not being funny, but you guys haven't watched Scunthorpe football season. Absolutely appalling team. Yeah, exactly. that's not you're not even a slightly surprising result, really. You know, completely to be expected. What what, what happened? So, so yeah, um, yeah. The, the fact that they just missed out. I said this to um to Danny in the chat there, obviously that. I feel it was actually a bit of a benefit for them compared to us that we had that one season of, wow, suddenly we come from nowhere and we're fighting and we got promoted. They had two seasons of continued success, pretty much. They they yeah, didn't they really drop off at all, did they? And they kept the squad together in that time. They were sort of like, you know how like Mansfield is sort of in and around it every single year? They were that but a bit better. They were always in and around that yeah. uh, promotion battle. And Slightly better version of Manfield, aren't they? Yeah, that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, but they were always in and around it. So they, the squad has that know-how of those those times, and you know, being one of the the better teams, and you know, a bit more of an understanding of how to control games, game manage that sort of stuff, where we went up quickly and maybe didn't get as much of that experience, which has probably benefited them in this year. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the summer recruitment now. Um, the thing that stands out is they've signed seven players. Two of them were players they had on loan last season. So that, again, is that continuation of the squad. They've only lost four, of which two are goalkeepers who I don't think they particularly rated 
Maxted at the very least and King's gone to Wolves, you know, which is hell of a move for him. He, he's, he's really shot up the leagues randomly. Mm. I, I was never that impressed with him. I was a bit surprised by that one. Um, but yeah, obviously, when you add the other five in, there's a keeper on loan from Newcastle. He seems to be playing quite a few games. I, mean, I think that Lee Burge is injured for them. Um, Jordan Willis, I, I didn't realise that, that he'd signed for them. I think it was quite a recent one. And he, he was ex Sunderland, wasn't he? In Coventry, I think, maybe? He's, he's played well, at a higher know. level. I'm not definitely... too familiar with him. Tyree Simpson, the ground loan from Huddersfield, is one that we apparently tried to sign. I mean, he's one yeah, who's struggled for them. He's not made the same impact. But Pat, Patrick Bruff made the move from um, Barrow in the summer to, to join Northampton. And yeah. sounds like he's really... Patrick was really unlucky with us, wasn't he? I think that's probably fair to say that breaking through and obviously he was a winger in the youth team, but then sort of, sort of changed to a left back when he got to the first team. Breaking mm. through at the same time that Danny Graham pretty much signed for us. Danny Granger, Danny Granger, I should mean, sorry, yeah, Danny Granger signed for us. Always meant his chances going to be restricted, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course. The timing probably didn't didn't help him, but he's he's gone on to do well. And I think some of this, like him and Manny Month, like Patrick Bruff for a a left back slash left wing back, he's he is a big lad, and Manny Month is an even bigger lad. Mm. So they've just sort of reinforced that back line a bit. Um, and the one signing I think that stands out. To me, is Mark Leonard from uh, from Brighton? Yeah, bringing it back definitely. Annoyingly Scottish, so there's even, there should logically be more of a chance of us getting him because it's closer to home. <laughs> but he's been so good in yeah. the centre midfield. I think he's been probably one of the at least according to SofaScore their best player this season. Yeah. Sitting in the middle of the park, not necessarily going to rack up goals and assists, but probably someone. In a similar role to, to Callum Guy, who's just sort of a, a sweeper and does yeah. everything. Well, he's been pushed forward a bit further forward recently. I think Jack Sowerby's come back into the team for them. Another ex-Blue, obviously. And uh, I think it's given him a bit more licence, actually, to get forward. And they're quite impressed with how he's done as a result. I think I, I always feel like Pat Bruff's got quite a lot of similarities to Jack Armour in the way he plays. Quite a tall, rangy wing-back. He can get up and down. and mm-hmm. He probably has a little bit more of a goal threat than Jack does. And maybe that's something Jack can work on a bit in his game. And... Chip him with a few more goals because that's what you want to see from a wing back, isn't it? Um, when you look at the rest of the squad overall, I mean, the, the obvious names. I mean, Danny Hilton struggled a bit since he's gone. He's not even actually scored yet. I didn't realise that until I was looking up before the game. But Sam Hoskins and Mitch Pinnock in attacker two that really stand out for me. They're they're real quality players at this level, aren't they? Yeah, and Louis Apare as well. It's yeah. it was it Bristol we were looking at before the Bristol game and thinking, God, could we just have one of these, please? Yeah, it would yeah, make life so much easier. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they've just they've got a, and the thing is with those names as well is there's they're not all the same type of player. There's differences in their qualities, which makes them harder to defend. They've not got two lump it strikers or something like that. You've got Hoskins yeah. is more of an on the ball go at you type player, yeah. and then likes of Pinnock and Apre are a bit different as forwards. So yeah, it's a they've got a, a diverse attacking lineup, which is is always hard to defend against. And then into midfield, they've got plenty of quality in there. You obviously mentioned Leonard, Leonard already. Um, Honda Mark did pretty well for them last season as well. And I actually think, uh, I think was Ben Fox the one who was at um, Grimsby when they signed uh, him? Uh, different Fox I'm thinking of. But um, obviously, yeah. we know Jack. We know what Jack Salaby can do, don't we? You know, we, we know he's a quality player. But Sean McWilliams, Grimsby, yes, yeah, great stuff. I thought, I thought he was the same one. He was a good player for Grimsby in the, in the National League. What I saw of him. But Sean McWilliams is someone who's always done really well against us, hasn't he, as well? He's one of those players I do look at and think to myself, oh, we've got a bit of money to spend now. I wouldn't mind signing someone like him because I think he would make a big difference to our midfield. Not typing mm-hmm. him up or anything there, but that, that's, that's what I was thinking about him. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just quality and it's depth mm. as well. There's there's a depth of quality in there which in our midfield, especially at the moment with the loss of Guy and Taylor only just coming back, we just don't have that available. Yeah, I do, I do look the, the one area I think where maybe they're, they're maybe not quite the strongest defense. They've still got some good players in there to be fair, but I do wonder if you could potentially get the defense a little bit. Possibly, I don't know, but. I fully expect them to finish around about mid-table come the end of the season. I think they've got enough quality to, to keep themselves up there. And John Brady seems to be a good manager as well. It's well thought of. Yeah, well, they've only conceded a few less. They've conceded 26 goals this season. We've conceded, conceded 29. Okay. Um, I know we've been in a lot of games. Yeah. So, and obviously there was that slap in at Reading. But to think we've conceded eight goals in our last two games. Yeah. You know, they've not... The point sort of stands yeah. that their I mean, defence is gettable. If if you lose those two games one nil instead, I know it's if what buts and maybe's whatever, but if we lost those two games one nil instead of five one and three uh, nil, we'd have the joint best defense in the bottom half of the division alongside Wigan. In fact, mm. we'd have up until about eighth place, we would have one of the best defenses, you know, outside of the top seven. If, if yeah, that was only, the case, there's, a, there's only two teams, Derby and Portsmouth, who've conceded less than twenty goals. Yeah. And considering we've conceded 29 and eight of them have been in the last two games, yeah. you know, I don't think defence is necessarily a problem. It's just that there's so much pressure on them because we can't get out of yeah. defence that it just leads to so many opportunities for better teams. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's proven a bit of a problem the last few games, definitely. Um, I'm just trying to think what, what should we talk about. I don't know. Well, let's do the referee. It should be quite quick on this one because it's Daniel Middleton from Derbyshire. It's his first season as an EFL referee and he's never refereed a colour game before. So he's a newbie. Um, he's taken charge of 14 games so far this season, handing out 35 yellows and three red cards. And last season, 69 yellows and seven red cards in 21 games. Head-to-head-wise, it's the 48th meeting between the two sides. United have won 13, 15 have been a draw, and the Cobblers have won 19. We've only won one of our last nine games against the Cobblers. Yeah, there's two games in recent memory that stand out. One was the one last year where we had that run of... Uh, we played like three or four teams back-to-back, I think, who were sort of... It was like Stevenage, Northampton, uh, yes. Stockport were all sort of in that realm. And we, I think we narrowly lost to them, if I remember correctly. I think we drew them all. Maybe we drew... Us. I think we drew Northampton. Did we draw Northampton? And, I'm, I'm Maybe. 11 v 11 up uh, head-to-head. Lost here, to Stevenage. So. I know yeah. that. Um, but the other game was um, when we had Keith Millen in charge and it was the season they should have got promoted and we got slapped. Yes. It was, we just, it was so bad. Um, so it really, that uh, stat of not, uh, one win in our last nine really does not surprise me. Yeah, it was nil-nil. Remember we had a nil-nil against Northampton right. and a nil-nil against Stevenage when we lost at uh, Leighton Ory, didn't we? So it was just, yeah. We oh, yeah, yeah. That, that Stevenage game just feels like a loss. Yeah, just, just the, what was it? Forty-eight game. minutes. The ball was God, in play. Awful game of football. That was just terrible. But yeah, I mean, the the, the last win was the two-one win uh, just after Simo had come back a couple of weeks after. And where I was uh, at uni listening to that because we were on a good run. Yeah, and I I paid the what was it three quid to listen to it on yeah. iFollow, and yeah, I I've never been more excited listening to a, a radio <laughs> commentary. But James Phillips commentating that. Jordan Gibson penalty was a, a, it was a real moment of, God, we're actually we could actually stay up here. This yeah. could actually happen. Yeah, hundred percent, wasn't it? And I still can't believe Fraser Horsfall handled handled that ball. I, no idea what he was thinking when he did that. It was just insane, <laughs> absolutely insane. Well, you could see from the reaction 
uh, if I remember correctly, they were all just like there wasn't even a protest. Yeah, it's mad. Uh, I'm looking at the last time we won after that, where Jason Kennedy and Kyle Dempsey scored in that game. So that that's going back quite a bit. In fact, Paul Corey played in that game. That that's how far back it was. He actually played for both clubs, funny enough, which will bring us on quite nicely to that. Actually, now uh, we'll do that. Um, Play for both. Um, Dan hasn't had time to pick one this week, so I'm going to have to pick one. Um, oh, do I do Paul Curry? No, I'm not going to. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do Paul Conway. Paul Conway, before your time, Adam. Very much before your time. Uh, Paul Conway was a, a, a player that we signed. Um, he's kind of a weird one because he's, he's American. So he's one of the first Americans to have played for us. Which decade, if you mind me asking? 1990s. So right. he um, he actually one started... Oh, I'm sure he'll tell you that he was a good player. He was one of those players who was a bit hit and miss with the fans. Some of our fans were a bit, ooh, I don't For my first season of watching him, I loved him because I thought he was a really good player. He had a bit of a little bit of ability on the ball and added a little bit of guile and class to a, mid, you know, a hard-working team. Um, he, uh, he was born in Portland in Oregon, in the United States. His dad actually was uh, Jimmy Conway. He was a uh, an Irish midfielder. I think he played for Fulham. I'm just going to quickly check that one. Yeah. It's a very so he, Irish name. Yeah, he played for Bohemians and Fulham in Man City, did his dad. Uh, but he went over to Portland Timbers uh, to play in the US. And uh, he was born over there. And I think they stayed over there basically after that. But he uh, he actually played for Portland Timbers at the start of his career, did, um, did uh, Paul. Um, he then um, had some time with Brooklyn Italians. For one season, which was a team that, by looks of things, played in the the National Premier Soccer League. It's a great dominating force in world football, indeed. But then in nineteen ninety three, came over for a trial, I think, at, uh, at United. Um, played a couple of uh, trial games, quite impressed, and ended up getting signing a deal for the ninety three ninety four season. Did okay that first season, but in the second season, he was uh, excellent in the team that won the third division title in ninety four and ninety five. Um, did a really, I mean, he scored. A, 30 goals in 107 games, playing... It says he's a forward on uh, Wikipedia, if you look on that. He was a forward towards the end of his career. He was actually a midfielder for a sort of attacking midfielder, but, you know, average one in three with his goals. And that season, it was fantastic. The season we got promoted, but, but sort of overshadowed a little bit by the likes of Reeves and Walling and Rod Thomas and people like that. Um, he obviously, he stayed until um, the end of the 96-97 season. He actually scored at Wembley in the penalty shootout. Uh, when we beat Colchester in the uh, what was now the Football League trophy, um, he left the following season to join Northampton. He only played three games for the Cobblers though, and then was loaned out to Scarborough, where he uh, he scored one goal in thirteen games for them. In nineteen ninety eight, he left the United Kingdom to travel back to the USA and joined Charleston Battery. He's a bit of a legend at Charleston Battery. He played as a striker there, and he scored ninety one goals in one hundred ninety eight games. Um, quite remarkable, isn't it? Um, he basically spent seven seasons with them. He uh, he basically uh, was one of the All Star and MVP honors in the 2001 season with them. Um, and I think that he re-signed for Portland Timbers and played one season for them before they became an MLS side, uh, and then was released at the end of that season in 2005. And he, he retired at that point at the age of 35. Um, and I think last time I read, he was working as a um, is it possibly as like a, a solicitor, I think, or a lawyer or something? I'm just going to quickly check that while we're talking. This is me doing this on the uh, on the on the run here, but he was definitely doing something along those lines. But um, but yeah, he, he's one of those players. I think maybe doesn't get enough credit for well for how he was good. Um, he's a lawyer, yes. I just double check that because John Coleman did an excellent article on, on him. We'll put that up on our Twitter feed. Actually, you can have a little read through it. But um, 
but yeah, he's, uh, I mean, look, he's living back in the USA now. I'm sure he's pretty happy living there rather than the UK, isn't he? So there you go. Paul Conway played for both. A fairly long list of plays. I'm surprised at how many have played for both. This is not what I expected. I'm going to bash through these as quickly as possible. Obviously, we mentioned Nicky Adams already. Derek Asamoah, he had a quite a decent spell with them too. Uh, David Brightwell, uh, Patrick Bruff, Peter Clark, Paul Conway, Paul Corey, we mentioned before. Brendan Dickinson had a short spell with them too. Ryan Edmondson, I don't it's think he's loaned. His loan spell there wasn't that successful from what I remember. Uh, Paul Fitzpatrick, there's one for the early 90s fans. Uh, Chris Freestone, now there's a name that will send a shiver down the spine of a lot of fans. He had a loan spell for Middlesbrough and he wasn't great, to put it bluntly. Um, Bob Hatton, uh, Warren Hawke, Carl Hawley. He, he was there, I think he was on loan there from before us, possibly, I, I, I seem to remember. I might have made that up, but I'm sure he was there quite early in his career. Uh, Carl Heggs, Hallam Hope, Evan Horwood, Kelvin Langmead, Frank Large, Lee Madison, Ben Marshall, Rod McDonald, Sean McGinty, the one-minute wonder. Um, Paul McGregor, I think if Dan had been able to pick it, he would have picked Paul McGregor, 100%. I'll get him to confirm this, obviously, once we've, you know, the episode's out, but I'm 100% certain he would have wanted to talk about Paul McGregor. Paul McGregor was on loan from Forest in the late 90s, Adam, and he's famous because he had this long sort of blonde mullet hairdo. But he was a real, like, he was a proper quality player, really, really good player. We wanted to try and get him permanently, but we couldn't. He went back to Forest, and his career kind of, he went to Plymouth, and then his career petered out because he wanted to be an indie rock star. And he's got his own band. Interesting bloke. No, he's got his own band called, he had a band called Mercedes, and he used to wear a Mercedes, like, the emblem as, like, a necklace around his neck when he was singing for them. Uh, I think his band these days is called Honey. But, yeah, Donald, when we played Northampton the second half of the season. brand changed that, going from... A German car maker to a product of B. Yeah, very strange one, isn't it? But yeah, um, I think I'll get Dan to pick him for the second half season. I'm pretty sure he will do. Um, who else have we got here? Uh, Leon McSweeney, Junior Mendes, Ian Morris, Derek Mountfield, Bobby Owen, Andy Priest, Paul Reed, Rob Scott, Alan Smart, Jack Sowerby, Ray Train, Will Varty had a very short spell there as well. Bagno uh, Vieira, Luke Weaver, and Byron Webster. I didn't realise Byron Webster had been there, actually. That surprised me a little bit. If there was to be an American on this list, it should have been Ray Train. Really? What a brilliant name. It's, it's an incredible name. I bet, name, I bet the Piatics know someone called Ray Train. They should do. They should do. Um, right. Shall we try and have a think about... Well, we already touched on what Northampton's last game. They beat Fleetwood 3-0, by the way. We, we talked about that earlier. But um, United then. So, injury-wise, a little bit of an update similar game today. Some good news. Uh, Josh Coyote. Getting close, isn't he? Two to three weeks away. Ho- I think they're hoping. I heard whispers that they were hoping he'd be back for the Cheltenham game, but it looks like they're being a little bit more cautious, which is the sensible thing to do with a, with a player like that. So hopefully, for the ex- the Port Vale or the Exeter game, he should be back. Um, but the big news, as you mentioned, there Taylor Charters and Paul Huntington being fit enough to get back in training next week, which I think is a really big plus because having a couple more bodies in those positions is going to really help us. Definitely. Yeah, it's just it's reinforcement and it takes a bit of pressure off of Simo where he doesn't have to just pick the same 18. He can mix and match a bit, you know, horses for courses type games. Um, so, yeah. And also having Ellis back as well just provides a different option. Yeah, de- definitely. Absolutely. I think getting him back in the squad's a real positive. Um, and also, I think there's some good news about Finn back. It looks like he could be back a few weeks earlier than we expected in mid-January. So that's a real, real big positive, mm. a bit of competition. He's still, with, uh, he's still with Forrest, though. He is, sure. yes. He's not he quite there, back yeah. with us. No, no, he's still a little bit off of that in that sense. But it, it looks better news there. Um, I mean, Moxon, though, we also mentioned, we sort of hinted to this earlier. 
came off with an injury against uh, Blackburn. He looked like he really had pulled up. And then Simo revealed after the game that essentially he's been playing through without with an injury, hasn't he, for quite a while by the sounds of things. And this seems to be basically got to the point where it can't really carry on any longer. And it looks like he's going to be a doubt for this weekend's game. Yeah, from what Paul Simpson said, major doubt for the game against Northampton. Um, they said that he'd had a scan on his hip and there is damage been done to, uh, I don't know if it's muscular or, mm. or what, but uh, I'd imagine it's probably muscular. Um, but yeah, it's probably, it's a bit of a, how do I describe this? It could be a good thing for him to be out of the squad for a bit and actually recover because I think playing players for injuries at this stage of the season is a bit stupid. I know we haven't had much other option, but um, you know, if something like this that's obviously deteriorated to the point where he might be out for some time, at least this weekend, probably. Um, I just think it's probably better with him to stay on the on the side of caution. Um, but yeah, it'll be a big loss because he, even though he's not been playing up to standards, he still offers that threat of he could yeah. do something magical. He's still capable of doing something quickly on the turn, isn't he? And you, you sometimes need that from. From players, um, formation and selection. What what do you go for from this one? This is the real tough one because I kind of feel like I look at the defense and I think if we're going to go with this back three, I think Ben Barkley's struggling a little bit at the moment. I don't think he's quite finding form. He's a little bit low. Left field suggestion here. I'd put Corey Whelan in there. He's never let us yeah. down when he's come in, and I do wonder if maybe he's there on the right to have a start in there just to make us a little bit more solid at the back. I'd understand that. I'm looking at this from the point of view of I know the squad is different due to injuries and things like mm-hmm. that, but the best we've played all season was when we were playing a four-three-three mm-hmm. with Mellish and Lavelle at the back. Yeah. Obviously, had, I think Armour and Robinson at this point are interchangeable. Obviously, Finn on the right, but Josh Emmanuel maybe isn't as defensively sound as Finn back, but he can play that role. And I'd, I'd, I'd put him in the squad over Jack Ellis, who's just coming back from injury. Yeah. Midfield three, obviously at the moment it's slim pickings. Um, but Presume Moxon's yeah. not fit, basically. Like, yeah, I, it, it'll probably be McCalmont, Robinson and thing, and then you put Armour at left-back, maybe. Uh, yeah, McCalmont, Robinson, McGeoch. And then I play Garner through the middle, Gibson on the right, Maguire, uh, Gibson on the left, Maguire on the right. Because it's the that is the best form we've had all season. It's yeah. been playing the best football. We've got out of defensive situations much easier. Um, I understand that Northampton are in a good position, but we need we need to have a bit, especially at home, in home games, we need to make those games because they're, by nature, the most winnable games. You're at your home stadium. And do you want to know the last time that we scored first in a game of football, a league game of football? Burton? Lincoln. On the sixteenth of September, did Burton take the lead against us? I can't. Bloody hell! Let's go back a bit. Sixteenth of September was the oh. last time that we took a lead in a game, or took the lead, went one nil up in a game in League One. You can double check that. I'm, I'm pretty I, I sure Burton did take the right. lead. I'm pretty sure Burton did take the lead in that game. Um, and unless my research has failed me, uh, feel pre- free to prove me I wrong. Think, I think you're right. But no, it's... We need to go out there and take the initiative, and I think starting with a five back and then a midfield of McGeoch and McCalmont, and then starting potentially plunging Garner up front, it just sets us up to be negative and try and get a point from a game just to try and put points on the board. I think Simo's 
like I said, he's a smart guy. What he said after the game, he's probably going to come out and try and fire the crowd up a bit before the game. We need to go out there and try and take the initiative and put them on the back foot and use that uh, home advantage that we've built up over the last year and reinforce it because it's not quite been as, understandably, not been quite as bouncing as it was. Um, But I think this is a game where we need to try, we can't go out there and look for a point. Northampton are good. They don't, I don't think they have the quality of Blackpool where if we go out there and try and play with them, uh, and try, well, try and play with them in the sense of, you know, standing up to them rather than just hoping for a point. It's, we're giving them too much respect if we do that. Yeah. I'll just check in there. We've only actually taken the lead three times for the start of a game mm. this season, which is Fleetwood, um, Shrewsbury and Lincoln. They're the only and Shrewsbury three. game we won 1-0. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I'm so, right saying, yeah. 2 0. That was that one. I oh, 2 0, sorry, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, Garda got one late on as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. No, I, I remember now. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. Burton did take the lead in that game. It's, yeah, it's. What I, I, What would you do up front? Because I think that's the most pivotal area. I think the right. rest of the pitch, because the, of injury, picks itself. Depending on what formation you pick. If you pick a back three, back five, I would go with a back three, five of. Uh, Whelan, Lavelle and Mellish. I'd put my yeah. wing backs as being Emmanuel and Armour. And then I'd probably put Robinson into midfield with McCalment and McGeek. Trying to keep that a bit tight in there, but give maybe McGeek a bit... I oh, don't know, actually, maybe... I don't know, actually, maybe... Out team unless you want to put him up front. Yeah, that's the question. Maybe I'd... Maybe I'd leave out... McCallman for Gibson and put I put Garner and Maguire uh, Maguire up front. He clearly doesn't rate Edmondson at the moment. He's clearly not happy with him. So I'd no. be I'd be realistic in thinking and he doesn't rate Butterworth either because Butterworth didn't come on that. Yeah, uh, game. yeah I think I think look, I would not be amazed if Butterworth ended up leaving in January. If I'm honest, I I, I don't I think it just yeah. hasn't worked at the moment. I, just, I think like, stuff like that would be smart if you can, especially if you even can a loan get money there's people. Yeah. yeah, and you can just take something off the wage bill for a bit. Um, yeah. And then the summer there might be some suitors if things go well. I think yeah. doing stuff like that would be smart, and I think it's something we'll we'll see more of um, in the future. I mean, I know Corey Whelan's had offers to leave, but he's the one who's turned it down. I don't think it's necessarily been the club who's turned it down. Yeah, but I, I think th- that's I think something. It, I think no, with him is is more a case of location because it was Colchester yeah. that came in for him and he didn't. Yeah, if yeah. someone like a Tranmere or a Crew came in for him, in I January, think that I would could surprise happen. But I think I I think I'll be stupid to sell him at this point. Yeah, I think unless if we can get a replacement, maybe yes. But I think I have a feeling when players go, I've, we're not going to get transfer fees for a lot of them. It's just going to be a case of getting a wage off the bill and yeah. you have to go for free with most of them. Um, but yeah, I think we're basing something on mocks and not playing. So that if that's what it was, I'd go with that. If it's four three three, the difference I would make is I would take William out and I would put in, yeah, probably put in McCalman and put him into midfield and put Gibson on the wing and Maguire. On the, I'd, Pretty much the same team you'd pick. I'd go with. I think. To be fair, I, I just at the moment I just don't think we've got any other options really. And I, like you said, I think we need to. Like I said, I, he, he clearly, he clearly likes plunge, but I just think at the moment take him out the firing line. Don't don't put any more pressure on that and put tell Maguire to get to fuck. We can't <laughs> keep playing him, right? We've yeah. done you this favor. We've been playing him the whole time, even the the day after he arrives. We started him 
admittedly because we didn't have anyone else. Yeah. But we've done them as much of a favour as we can. He's gone back to London in a couple of weeks, probably, hopefully. I don't yeah. want it to sound harsh because I, I do think that there is a potential player there. He's just not, I don't think he's suited to EF, yeah. the EFL. Um, definitely, I think that cameo at Derby was a bit of a, a not a facade, but a bit of a misleading uh, season. Just pick your, pick the best team in terms of quality that you can. I don't think he's in that team. Um, right, let's do predictions then for this one. What are you going to go for, Adam? Oof. I mean, in fairness, before the Blackpool game, when I was chatting to people and they were asking, you know, how do you think we'd do? I wasn't confident. I am more confident about this game, but I'm going to be the. I'm going to be still slightly cautious, and I'm going to predict a draw. I'm going to go for one-one. Um, I think that's. I think our defense is capable. We just need yeah. to not be penned into our own half for the whole game, and then we, they can actually have a bit of freedom, which will massively help them. But uh, yeah, one-one for me. Are you going to go for goal? Uh, I am going to go with. Oh, I, I imagine Gibson has to start, so I'm going to go with Gibson. Okay, Gibson. Um, I think I said one one or two two. I can't remember on the on the on the Cobblers podcast when I recorded there, but a couple of days ago. And as usual, when I get close to the game, I get more optimistic. I, I was going to predict a defeat for the Blackpool game just to try and hopefully reverse psychology and we'd get a win and I'd be happy to not get any points. What but did you predict in the end? I think I went for a 2-1 win or something stupid like that. <laughs> but, um, uh, why change the habit of a lifetime? 2-1 win. Um, 2-1 win. Goals from Jack Robinson and Joe Garner. I'm going to go with. Right, uh, let's have Dan's prediction first. Well, I said that I had a bit of Bolton vibe around Blackpool. Couldn't have got that much uh, much more wrong, could I? I'm not the only one, to be honest. But uh, hard-earned 2-1 win this week. Time to get back on track. Uh, Simo's uh, outburst has deflected from the players. So, for me, they owe him a little bit, you know, from their terrible performance. So, we'll go for a 2-1 win. And we'll go for Alfie McCalment and Joe Garner. Okay, he thinks Alfie's going to get his first goal this season, making up for the miss at Blackpool, hopefully. Yeah. Let's have Mike's predictions now. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win with goals from Joe Garner and John Mellish. Well, if Joe Garner scores, all, all three of us are getting points there. So, <laughs> God, um yeah, with ever the optimist on this show, I think it's fair to say points haven't changed in terms of predictions. The score wise, eight. I'm on eight. Dan's on seven. Mike's on two. You still have to get off the the mark, Adam. But yes, that's I that's am. not a surprise because Mike has struggled enough, and he's had every game to predict him. So, so there you go. Um, right, let's do X Files section. Plenty to cover this week. Um, it was a busy weekend in terms of goals. Uh, Let's get the obvious one out of the way. James, James Tavernier scored a penalty for Rangers as they beat Dundee three net one. No surprise there. They're the, the, one of the top ten penalty scorers of all time. Getting on the score sheet. Here's a nice little one. Uh, Callum O'Hare, back from a long term injury, scored a brace for Coventry City in their two 0 win over Birmingham City. 
only his second start since he recovered from the injury. That's a really nice one, isn't yeah. it? Because he missed out on a big move to Burnley, they reckon, didn't it? Because Burnley were really keen on him in the summer. But um, unfortunately, the, the injury meant that it was never likely to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, well, he's been injured. Uh, I think it was around Christmas of... Yeah. Yeah, maybe New Year or something. Yeah. New Year this year. Um, but I watched the game. It was just... It was really good to see to see that because you could see the quality that he had when he was at Carlisle. Yeah. Um, and it, it reminded me of one of those performances. And... Yeah. He's out of contract this uh, at the end of the season, so potentially could be leaving Coventry for free. Yeah, but things like that are only going to help his case, not only to stay at Coventry, but potentially get a better move. Yeah, I, I, I imagine Burnley if they stay up, or even if they go down, they might well be back in for him this summer. I suspect. Um, Jerry Yates, uh, he scored for Swansea in their two-one win at Rotherham. A big result for them because they're struggling a bit this season. Swansea, Hallam Hope. He scored for Oldham Athletic as they drew 3-3 with Mickelover in the FA Trophy. They eventually won this game 4-2 in penalties. I did see a few Oldham fans ch- tweeting about this saying what an appalling performance it was from them. So I think they'll be at least pleased to have uh, got something from the game, weren't they, Adam? It, 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 it's always a bit of a eye-opener is probably the wrong word, but yeah, it probably is eye-opener is the right word, actually. These FA Trophy ties, aren't they, for, for teams that have just come out of the league. I remember we played Redditch in 2004 at Workington for enough we was during the floods and all that and it was it was really like a oh wow this is the level we're at now isn't it it's I mean you've yeah. you've covered games out of the level of Marine and that but it's yeah for those clubs it can be a bit oh god this is where we're at well yeah you just sort of it seems like players come into those games of the attitude of I oh, do we have to like yeah. like come on do we, do we really have to and then the other teams proper up for it because it's you know it's a, a big uh, yeah. club for them to be playing against um, yeah. but yeah obviously Oldham got through that one but Hallam hopes yeah. he, he seems to pop up with goals every now and then yeah yeah he's he's a good he's I think Hope's a better player than he was given credit for for us I think it, in that last season as well especially he, he was particularly impressive and it's a shame we couldn't have tied him down a bit longer but there you go uh, Richie Bennett he scored for Southport yeah, that's right. Southport, as they uh, they were beaten six one by Chesterfield in the FA Trophy as well. Yeah, this is sort of jumping ahead here, but yeah, I didn't realise this. He, we, one we missed, he signed for Southport on loan on a three month loan from Scunthorpe in November, and for some reason we just completely missed it in the uh, in the X Files section. But interesting. I mean, he's from roundabout that way, isn't he? Manchester sort of Wiganish, yeah. you know, Rochdale, Oldham. So it's probably a sort of. Decent move for him, really, isn't it, I think? And, and Scunthorpe have been a basket case for a bit of a while. Um, yeah, definitely. Jack Bridge, he scored another penalty for Southend United. They drew 2-2 with Hampton and Richmond in the FA Trophy, but they were beaten 4-2 in the penalty shootout. So I mean, that's a bit of a, 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 a giant killing, I suppose, isn't it, in that sense, at that level, I guess? Yeah, as much as there can be a giant killing in the FA Trophy. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, Tristan eight rounds, he scored a goal for Welling United as they drew 1-1 with Brackley Town in the FA Trophy and they went on to win that tie 4-3 on penalties. Uh, Owen Windsor scored his first goal for Chester in their 2-0 home win over Tamworth in National League North. Joe McKee was on the score sheet for Peterhead as they drew 1-1 with Bonnie Rear-Grows. And Zach Clough, one we missed actually last week, uh, he scored a brace for Adelaide United, but they lost 4-3 at MacArthur, which I think is like a suburb of Sydney, I think. I've had a look it up before because it was a bit like that. I'd never heard of that before, but there. I'm sure there's plenty of our listeners who, in fact, Johnny, who contributed the six-second review, he lived out in Australia for a while, so I'm sure he'll know that. Uh, into midweek, Tyrese Omotoya. 
He scored a goal for Forest Green Rovers in their 4-2 win over Scarborough Athletic in the FA Cup. This game was replayed, wasn't it? Because they won the original game, Forest Green, but it turned out they'd, yeah. they'd picked a lone player who hadn't got permission to play in the game, had he? Yeah, which caused a lot of outrage amongst Barnsley fans because they obviously got the chance to replay the game. But it's, yeah. what it's done is, uh, I can't remember who Forest Green are now playing in the... Black because Bull. that was a first... Yeah, Blackburn, but that was a yeah. first round game, and all the other midweek FA Cup games were second round games. Yeah. So now I think Blackburn are going to end up playing oh, it's three games in six. Or oh, Blackpool, sorry. Yes. Are going to end up playing <laughs> three games in six days or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I remember seven days. Yeah, um, I think Lomatoy has been doing quite well recently for yeah, them. He's chipped in one or two correctly. goals. Yeah, we've we mentioned um, him a few times, definitely. He, he's like got, he got. Did he get an own goal in a game as well recently? I think as well. I think we mentioned. Uh, he got one against Tranmere. Yeah. Uh, about. A month ago, uh, yeah. but he's got what is this? Two goals and an assist in his last six. Well, he's not not, not doing too bad. Then maybe he's found his feet a little bit, but uh, he certainly didn't look like he was going to find them for us, did he? Uh, Ryan Loft he scored for Port Vale in their three-three draw with Stevenage in the FA Cup. Stevenage actually won that game four-three on penalties. Mark Ellis scored the winner for Charlie in their three-two win over Buxton. George Waring got a goal and a red card. He, he scored. He scored for Curzon Ashton to give them the lead. And then he was sent off in injury time a minute before they conceded to lose 2-1. This was a mental game. I looked this up. So he obviously scored, I think, earlier in the game. I think the opposition, who they playing against? Sorry, did I write that down there? Uh, da, 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 da. I haven't written it down. That was stupid. I'll, I'll, he, basically, he, he scored the goal. And then the opposition, which I'm going to look up now because it's going to be stupid if I don't actually say this now. Hang on. Curzon Athletic. National, sorry. Uh, da, 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 it was. Who was it? Farsley Celtic. Farsley, that's the one. I, I don't know why I didn't write that down. So, yeah, Farsley Celtic. So, basically, Curzon took the lead. Farsley scored on, I think, 90 plus 2 to make it 1 1. George Waring was given a second booking on 90 plus 3. And then on 90 plus 4, Farsley got the winner. <laughs> that would have been so. Imagine if you left that game early and you find out you missed two goals on a red card. You'd be fuming, wouldn't you? I've just when I've just googled Curzon Ashton, Ashton here, the, rev- the yeah. Google reviews of Curzon Ashton as a football club are brilliant. It's just about the food they serve. Some yeah. guys that he enjoyed his Korean chips, a nice little bacon butty. Nothing oh, about good. how good the football team is. Yeah, probably, probably for the best, isn't it? With sometimes of these things. Um, and then finally, another one midweek one. Stephen Rigg and David Simonton they score for Workington in their dramatic free-free draw with Worksop Town. A big result for the Workington. They've been it? having. A lot of high-scoring games because they drew four-four Marine as well, and a three-three works up. They're they're adapting fairly well to life in that division, I think. think They've been unlucky. They've had a lot of games called off, haven't they? So I think they're a little bit behind in terms of fixtures. I think they played their first home game. That game was their first home game in like over a month, I think, wasn't it? I think against works off. Bad luck if that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And just uh, one in a couple more in the other section. Uh, Chris Twardek and John O'Sullivan have been released by Bohemians at the end of the League of Ireland season, and it's not so. It's kind of like a. It's not something that's actually happened, but it's a bit of like a rumor thing. I think it's worth talking about this one. It's uh, Jared Branfrey. He really is setting the world alight, isn't he, in the Premier League? And Gareth Southgate was watching him at the weekend for the game against Chelsea. Must have been quite impressive, you'd think. Left side of centre back, you never know. And the rumor is because Tottenham have shown interest, and we know, we know Man United have had a lot of clubs have shown interest in him. That uh, Everton apparently have slapped a seventy-five million pound uh, asking price on his shoulders. I mean, I'd be happy if they got that for him. All I'll <laughs> say is that's not enough. 
Get it up no. to three to another th- uh, figure. Yeah, what would it be? Nine figures. Nine f- hundred no, million. Yeah, nine figures. Get him a nine figure fee. That's what we want to see. You know what? There's every chance he could get called up to the England squad in March, you know, Definitely. the Euros one, and if Definitely. he keeps going the way he is, and if that happens... He's been really good. He's been really, really good. Like, yeah. he's in that team, he's not going to have the chance to show, because he, he was originally a left-back, back when I was in, because uh, he's my school year, yeah. when people who I know who were going through that sort of selection phase at, at Carlisle, whether they yeah. got kept on or not... Uh, Charlie Birch, if you remember that name, obviously Mark, yes. Mark Birch's son, uh, played the same position as Jarrod. They were both left backs, and he was yeah. a bit sort of apprehensive as to whether he was going to get kept on because Jarrod played his position was so good. Yeah. So he's got really good on the ball uh, ability as well, yeah. but he just doesn't have the chance to show it for Everton. But his defense, his just general defending is so good, yeah. and it's great to see. Obviously, from a personal point of view, because we want him to do well, but also yes. get that money, nice. baby. Yes, absolutely. You know, I mean, look, there's all kinds of rumors about how much the, the, the percentage is. Is it a ten percent? Is it a fifteen? Is it a twenty? I mean, if it's twenty percent, fifteen million, bloody! I mean, the, the Piatics will have to put their hand in the pocket for ages. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> They'll they go. Fund all right, off we've that. done our job. We could have the Jared Brunfweight Superdome built on the site of Brunham Park. <laughs> but that's what we'll be following. Um, I think that's pretty much covered it. Then Adam, it's been a, quite a long one this week. We've had yeah. quite a lot to cover in the Blackpool section, did we? In terms of. Issues. It's just been a venting session just to get everything off. Yeah. Like, we, we could be in the same position this time next week, but I, I, I feel like there's going to be a bit of positivity at the weekend. I kind of even you know the team's limited to what we can pick, but knowing that you got Charters and Sunderson back for the Cheltenham game, hopefully you got Ellis coming back as well. You got three extra body. There's a bit of competition for the bench now. That's what mm. we want to see over the next few games. And you think right. He's not just looking at, I've only got 18 in, and actually the starting lineup pretty much picks itself. You can look and go, right, I've got an experienced one in Huntington coming. I've got a different kind of midfielder in, you know, <clears throat> Charters can come in for Moxon, and he's not, they're not exactly the same player, but he can do a similar job, you know. So that, that's what you're kind of hoping for, isn't it, over the next few weeks, at the very yeah. least. That Exeter game, I think, especially because Coyote will hopefully be back that time yeah. with some new signings, that could be a, a real real big point in the season because if if anything's going to spark a a, you know second half of the season reaction it's probably going to be that as important of a game as it is I am not going to Exeter again oh not a chance I say that I'm flying to to Bournemouth on Sunday on Monday rather what's that fun for the just a general oh I'm going down to see my uh, girlfriend because she's working down there over Christmas very nice, very nice. That's a, that, that's a trip and a half, though. That bomb all the way down there, but there you go. Uh, Adam, thanks very much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Good to get it all off my chest and forget yeah. about it. Yes, so um, we're going to be back next week with a uh, review of the Northampton game. I think I'm going to have a look at what we do in terms of previewing the Christmas games. We might preview the Cheltenham and the Fleetwood games together just because I'm I'm going to be back in Cumbria for Christmas, so I might not be able to do anything in between the two. So we'll try and do those two together and then maybe review them and then look ahead to the Wigan game. And what we're going to try and maybe look at, we'll maybe do a review of 2023 at some points as well, looking back on month by month from what the year's been like, you know, because it's, it's been eventful to say the least as a Carlisle fan, hasn't it? Yeah. When you look back at it, it's, it's, you know, a lot has been crammed into the last 12 months and... Uh, Plenty of because thing is everyone's a bit negative right now. There's been so much positive stay from this year, so we we have to look back at that and uh, reflect. Um, but yeah, we'll be back early next week. Um, look at or maybe middle of next week probably to look back on the Northampton game and look ahead to the Christmas games. But other than that, one last thing to say, and that's up the blues. Up the blues. Oh,
you're listening to The Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your kyanite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Adam Tiffin. No winter wonderland on the final coast for United as they slump to a miserable defeat in the rain at Blackpool. We look back on a dreadful away day for the Blues before previewing another huge class this weekend as Brunton Park travelled to uh, Brunton Park. That was a complete cock-up, wasn't it? <laughs> That's the first time, to be fair. It's the first ah. time since I've been on that you've messed it up. Problem was, I wasn't on the intro bit, and I was scrolling up to get it, and I rushed through it as a result. Right, let's have another go at that. To be fair, I was reading through it, I was like, that, that that's a horrible one to read through. 